You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. We are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Uh, Sam and I are here recording on a Thursday, and we have the CEO and founder of CLNS Media, Nicholas Gelso, on with us today. How are you, Nick? I'm doing well. I mean, I don't get called Nicholas like my mom, I, my dad, <laughs> when I'm in trouble. They still do that. Yeah, it's good to be on, guys. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, we're excited. We're excited for this one. So uh, finally, there's basketball again to talk about. Uh, Sam and I were struggling over the entire offseason to find topics, but now that the preseason's <laughs> rolled back around, we're we're hyped up and ready to go. So Celtics played their first preseason game. Unfortunately, it was a loss to the 76ers, which, you know, kills me inside every time it happens. But there there were some good takeaways. Uh, Sam, what was your biggest takeaway? We can start there. Well, it, it was a weird game because there were, like, really positive things. Obviously, you've got Jeff Teague, who had a tremendous night. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was impressive in his NBA debut. Then you had the Jays, who were like a combined, let's see, Tatum was 4 of 13, Brown 1 of 11, so 5 for 24. I mean, not great. <laughs> preseason. It's worried me <laughs> in the preseason. Like, I don't know, just the first time I see them play, and they, they don't play well, I'm like, oh, man. But they'll be fine for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, everybody kind of freaked. But those guys, they tend to – pick their spots and in, in, in small games. I, it's not the first time we've seen them kind of uh, shrink a little bit. So no, I thought Richard was, you know, just a, a, a real ray of sunshine there. I mean, a high basketball IQ dude could shoot and it didn't look like it was his first game. Did it? He looked so confident. So that was definitely a bright spot. And Teague as and well. he was aggressive. Defensively. Aggressive. Yeah, man. He's scrappy. I like him, and uh, I remember we were comparing him to somebody from the past, but either way, you know, you always pull the comparisons from the past. But, um, yeah, and then I think that probably my disappointment maybe was not seeing Neesmith, you know, so that, that <laughs> I want to I want to That was odd. Some action. Well, I mean, if you, if you have heard Brad, he's been kind of odd about the whole topic of Neesmith. And it kind of was like the other day, to the media was saying things like, uh, you know, these rookies, there's no off season. They come in and they're winded getting up and down the court. And he was referring to him and it was like very not Brad like, and nobody asked him a question really to prompt it. So I don't know, but I've heard great things about the kid. No. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics seemingly drafted him for shooting. He shot over 50% in college. It's kind of ridiculous. But we know Brad doesn't love his rookies all the time. Obviously, Jalen Brown didn't right. really play. Romeo Langford right. didn't get all the time. But seemingly, if you're drafting this guy to be a shooter, you'd want to run him with the starters a little bit, right? And that just didn't kind of happen. So, and I, it looks to me like Brad likes Pritchard more. And I'm not complaining because Pritchard's a beast. He he just had this calming presence when he was on the floor. But do you think Pritchard's going to get more minutes than Neesmith this year? Or do you think we'll kind of see it even out as the season goes on? Uh- Guys, I mean, come on, Brad. I mean, you can never figure out Brad's rotation, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, right. I have no clue. I, I would have thought you would have seen, you know, 
I mean, he, he seems to be very confident with, with Pritchard right now, but Brad, you know, he doesn't really fix his rotations until, well, we would normally say a little after Christmas, maybe going into January, but this year will probably be a little later with the season starting later, but I don't know. I mean, everything is situational, you know, but you know how it is. You, you go into one game and you're like, oh, this is a great matchup for Robert Williams, and you don't see him, and then the next game he's, he's on the court, so I, I never could really figure it out. So something else I wanted to ask about, this is Sam's favorite topic. We talked about how the Jays didn't play well. Does Jason Tatum need to shave his head again? Because I don't think the hair is working. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I, I like the hair. I mean, it looks like it looks like he grew, doesn't it? I mean, he, I don't know if that's the hair or, or just maybe the television cameras mm-hmm. versus in person or, or in the bubble. Um yeah, the hair, maybe that's a very Chris Forsberg-like take, right? We'll blame it on the hair. Blame it on the hair. But there's correlation to that. I mean, he came back in the bubble with that that long hair, and he was really rough in, like, the, the warm-up games there. And the then long, he got yeah. a haircut after he was uh, rough against Milwaukee, and he was a beast. And we right. saw again the other day, he's got the long hair, 4 of 13. I think that's what, what it was. Who else can we – He uh, for, Chris used to do that with somebody else too. I don't know. Oh, no. Was oh, Linux had the man bun. The man. That's right. Yes, <laughs> that, was, that was always a, a very Forsbergian type uh, take. So, I miss Kelly. Yeah, I am not worried about either of those guys in the least bit. And don't you guys be either. Yeah, certainly they're going to play better when when Kemba is there. As well, I mean, and Kemba takes such good care of the ball, you're not going to see turnovers. But really, truly, I mean, you're talking preseason. There's no takeaways other than that uh, they played like shit. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I, I think that uh, they'll they'll be fine. I mean, in the bubble, I, I yeah, Tatum was good at, after the haircut, parentheses. <laughs> um, but Brown was to me the most important improved Agreed. between yeah between uh that milwaukee i think it was milwaukee or the last game indiana maybe and then they ended up in milwaukee and never played um but between that day and the, the beginning of the bubble um it was night and day his ball handling was just drastically improved and his passing was was really on point um the leadership abilities the maturity uh, you know, I mean, I, I I really was not the biggest Jalen fan, but in the, over the last year and a half or so, he used to frustrate the hell out of me with the, with the, you know, ball handling and putting his head down and barreling into turnovers. But he's really improved that. Every year he's come back with uh, another part of his game that's developed. And I'm looking forward to seeing real basketball after um, tomorrow, Friday night's uh, catastrophe in Brooklyn. They're going to get killed. Maybe Jalen Brown finally saw um, Brad Wanamaker stumble into turnovers. He decided to clean up his game. You know, yeah. It's got to be I, what it is. Honestly, what a difference, right? Uh, you guys <laughs> might be too young. I don't know how old you are, but he reminded me of Reggie Lewis pre, like, maybe – in his first four years, he did a lot of that with the ball handling. Mm-hmm. He put his head down and, and turned the ball over. It was so frustrating. But Jalen has, has improved that drastically. And 
And uh, it's going to be, I thought that the bubble basketball was so competitive, to be honest with you, um, up until the finals, probably, although the finals were decent. I mean, the ratings sucked, but, but I thought the basketball itself was so good. I'm interested to see, um, to see how that is now with this shortened season, like lots of extended stays in cities and, I don't know about you guys, but it gives me the creeps with the arenas that are empty. Mm. Um, Not a fan really of the empty jarring. arenas. Yeah, it was jarring in Philadelphia, and the crowd noise was very distracting to me. I didn't think the bubble was quite so jarring because it was smaller gyms, mm-hmm. but um, the basketball. I, I think the screens around the court helped too. Yeah. Oh man, that, I wish they I would do that. Pretty cool. Well, I I'll be honest. Think about it, guys. I mean, these are venues that are. Yes, they're empty right now, but soon enough there'll be hockey um, in both like the Garden or the Wells Fargo Center, a lot of these arenas. So there's the changeover of the court. And let me tell you, that's a big ordeal. I've been a million times I've been on the last piece of parquet doing a stand up report as they're taking it all down around you. So I couldn't imagine taking TVs down too. And I also think that everybody's hopeful that with the vaccine coming, that, you know, by late spring there might be some fans in the arenas i saw on twitter yesterday governor baker said um they were eyeing february march potentially to have people back in the garden not obviously wow. a arena, well, but i mean i i had i, I had think that's ambitious that. yeah well i'll tell you what governor baker is uh is pretty conservative in his approach so um if he's saying that, I mean, I'd love, I mean, not that I disbelieve you, but I'd love to share that link. So if you could send that over to me. Yeah, here, I'll, I I actually quote tweeted it. So I'll send it to you right now. Yeah, be great. Uh, just tweet it to me. I'll retweet it. But uh, that would be interesting. I mean, I know early on, we got a media advisory that they were. I'm sorry, it wasn't Baker. Baker, it was uh, Mayor Walsh. I'd be surprised Marty said that too. So that's that's a good sign, guys. I mean, that is a really good sign. And 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 early on, and and they nixed it. But early on, they were talking about the the sky boxes, the luxury boxes at the Garden being full from opening, you know, from opening night. And um, but I I, I don't think that's happening. I've got to say, I mean, these guys, the NBA is, is extremely organized with how they conduct business, but. This whole rollout of this season, understandably, I'm not bitching, understandably has been very last minute. Like, we still haven't been advised whether uh, media access will happen um, at the Garden. We don't know. I mean, like, I know, all I know is that uh, home games, Max and Grandy are up in the box, in the Bruins skybox. That's, that's all we know so far. And they just found that out. So my point in all this is I think the NBA is really, really not just being tight-lipped, but keeping these decisions close to the vest so that way in case there's a change, it doesn't create chaos. And And we don't know. I mean, usually we have like five guys there. We don't know if if anyone will be, you know, media-wise is going to be permitted. If you look at – the game in Philadelphia, I don't know if you guys noticed, but to me, there was no media there whatsoever, not even team media. I saw yeah, a few guys any... sitting um, 
like behind the basket. I saw there were chairs spaced out there. I don't know what that was about, but I I thought I did also see people on the uh, the near side, like mm-hmm. where the camera is actually shooting the game from, like where there wasn't covering. I think there was people in the stands. I don't know if they are media or you know arena personnel or whatever team officials. And if you looked at it, looked I was saying a, a um, my salesman was here. We were having a sales meeting during the game, and I was like. Dude, they're all wearing the same outfits. They kind of like the Sixers guys behind Doc kind of looked like monks. Like they were all in the gray <laughs> outfit. Like who the hell are they? And then on the Celtics side, I saw the Celtics shirts and I thought I saw D'Amico. I have to message him and ask him because I, I don't, we, you know, we would have been alerted. Maybe they're only allowing home media. We've heard some stuff about uh, press pool, you know, where they maybe would let the broadcast media in and then press pool it. But, to me, it's uh, it's all all hands on deck with the Zoom again, which is, I'll be honest, of course we want to get back in the garden, but they have done the the media availabilities really well on Zoom, and, and um, the practice, B-rolls have been great. So, I mean, under bad circumstances, the NBA has done a great job. The Celtics always, PR always do a great job. And the, the players even have to sit on like little cubicles in the sideline, right? Like they all have their own little space separated out yeah, along the bench. Weird. It is, it is, uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. It, it is it's weird, weird, but I have a lot of faith in the NBA. I mean, like we saw the bubble was excellent. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think they're going to do a much better job than the NFL, not because the NFL per se handled oh. it poorly but there's less oh. guys they they great. no and they <laughs> did handle it very poorly the nfl can't get out of their own way i mean like it's just like let the arrogance aside there is a pandemic you are not, like i mean i love robert Kraft. i ain't bitch, i'm not like by any means bitching about robert Kraft, but uh you know he he's there, uh, you know, a uh, couple months before the season starts. We're planning on having fans. We'll get the hell out of here, you know? So, I mean, to do it last minute the way they did it, and they just kind of went about it like, hey, we're going to trudge along no matter if your superstar gets COVID or whoever. We're just going to keep going. And uh, it's worked. I said they wouldn't get past week six, but they did. They've managed yeah, to string I'm along. surprised that – I mean, I don't watch a lot of football. I mm-hmm. – I, you know, Jack can tell you, I think it's boring, but <laughs> I, I am too. surprised. I, I do too. Yeah. I, I am surprised that, like, they they are pushing these games out instead of just, like, um, expanding the season. You know, like, they're, they're still trying to keep that schedule tight. Yeah, I mean, it's been I, – I don't understand why – I just I, – I honestly don't get why they didn't – I mean, I realize there's a lot more personnel – but the NFL has so much money. Like, they could build a city in the middle of the desert in Nevada, <laughs> play football, and put everybody there. I don't know why they they kind of were stubborn about it. But if you look at the MLB, same way. I mean, it was like they, they in the in, in, in the midst of, of the summer when nobody knew what really was going on because of the terrible communication from the government, they're out traveling city to city. It's like, these guys are crazy, and they're getting caught in bars. You know, so overall, despite the poor ratings, which have very little to do with Donald Trump, um, the poor, despite the poor ratings, the, the the bubble was the biggest success of the year. I mean, I, I'm okay with LeBron's Sportsman of the Year, but I, I'm almost thinking like Adam Silver deserved it. I mean, the guy had the balls to shut down sports in March. 
you know, right. without, you know, and I mean, and, and the way they carried themselves with communication and then, of course, having, you know, all the, the, the racial stuff going on in the midst of it, just really, I was, I couldn't say I'm, I wouldn't be more proud to be associated with any other league than, than uh, the NBA. And I, it's too bad about the ratings, but truly the ratings are, you know, there's so many factors in that. That I, I think no crowds is a bigger factor too. Yeah. yeah. Do you? Uh, it's it's not as fun to watch games with a crowd. I mean, I just agree. from a regular season standpoint, like even if there were fans at every game, right? I always enjoy watching home games more than away games because I always love the fans of the card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I like for me it was it was really odd and jarring and 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 brutal without fans, but the basketball was better. Oh, it was yes. excellent. It was a great product. So I enjoyed yeah. it, but yeah. it's always more it would they did a great job of making it not jarring to mm-hmm. not have fans. I think the video boards were great. Obviously, you had the crowd noise. Like it the the setting they set up was excellent. It didn't give you the vibe that it wasn't it important felt like a video it wasn't. Game, though, didn't it? Didn't it like a, a little bit, game. yeah. Mm-hmm. The the cameras were so HD. I think that had part to do with it. And then also the fact that there were no fans and it was a small setting set up to be shot, the camera angles were outstanding. I mean, looking at the pictures that came out of the bubble, some of the best, you know, uh, bas- action basketball pictures, most clear HD pictures you'll ever see. Um, but I, I'm with you. I am totally about, and, and most people, you know, my counterparts or peers or whatever would say otherwise. But I am one of those guys who... The fans are as they're the sixth man. There's much, especially at Boston Garden, there's much part of the game as as the players and and uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's hard to think that would my. And a good question is okay. So if Miami had to fight home court advantage, would they have gone as far as they did? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Who knows? Because the crowd does play a factor. It also plays a factor on the officiating. Now I was doing a show. Uh, right before the bubble with Bob McAdoo, who's well, a Hall of Famer, but now now he is a scout for the Heat. And uh, he was a, he was a coach for assistant coach for Pat Riley. And he was saying, you wait and see. The officiating is going to be so much better because you're not going to have the crowd pressure. And here it was quite the opposite. The officiating was brutal. You didn't yeah, have the was. crowd pressure. But you could hear everything the players were saying, so they had more player pressure, right? So uh, it's interesting just to think about how sports changes so drastically without without the uh, the fans, you know? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that player pressure. I mean, just look at that Raptors series. That that yeah. was awful. Oh. Every time something happens, you see the guys they're motioning with their finger for the review, and it happens. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, like I played in high school, like I, and I've coached, you know, youth and I've always like had the mantra, like, just leave the officials alone. You're not going to get the call changed. And like, that's the opposite. They, I mean, they got what they wanted. The officials, the officials milked it too. Like every time they, they went they, over, they, they, they were the stars. They were like, oh, I'm going to be on camera. I'm going to sit here for 20 minutes and review something that doesn't need it. Like that whole thing was just something and a whole ordeal. There's no, I mean, you guys talk about Tatum last night. There's nothing. I mean, I'm a big fan, but there's nothing more frustrating than when he gets when he allows the referees to take him. I agree. The, uh, the bitching's got to stop. I've told him that. Jeff Goodman has told him that. I was there when Jeff. I mean, everybody has told him that. And 
I think he's getting better with it, but early on, usually you're a product of your coach. So like uh, the 08 Celtics, they were brutal complaining because Doc was brutal, right? But Brad isn't brutal. He's not a complainer. And Jason just would get in this, this, this zone that he would start complaining and then it would affect all aspects of his game. That to me is the difference between a star and a super max superstar. The difference is when your shot is off or the calls aren't going your way, you're going to do other things that make your teammates better and that helps your team. So you're going to rebound, assist, whatever. And uh, Jason's got to work on that. They said that, that, uh, but Brad has said that he has become way more vocal with the team. So we'll see what happens. Um, But you can't, you can't allow the the refs to take you out of the game. You can't do it. No. And I mean, if we're talking complaining, first of all, Luca's like gotten so bad at that. Luca Mm -hmm. is one of the worst, but the worst experience I've ever had watching basketball was watching Nick nurse talk to the ref after every single play. That That was so painful. Uncharacteristic too. Like, yeah, even in the pressers, he was talking about it too. Mm -hmm. Well, and then we were torturing him. You know, you, you goad him to, to, to get more sound bites out of him because he, I think he might always be that way, but we don't notice. It's another product of no fans. He was right. brutal. I mean, and then poor Daniel Tice. I mean, the dude played so well <laughs> on the court. I mean, it was like, you know, the one time I think he got, a, he drew an offensive foul and then. Uh, they reversed it and called the block. It was like, this guy can't win, you know? So, uh, but I'll tell you, you know, having Tristan Thompson this year is going to be quite the, uh, the uh, not upgrade from tights, but upgrade off the bench. I, mm-hmm. And to be able to have, you know, if, if Tice is the starter, which I assume he would be, to have him relieved by Tristan Thompson, who has been destroying the Celtics since his rookie <laughs> season. That's great. And then already Gordon has an injury. Yeah. I mean, that's something. it's a very small injury. I think a lot of people are making it. Well, I, I think it's, no, a, it's small just a, it's a, it finger. Is a small injury, yeah. but it, and it is a, but it is a shooting hand. Yeah. Um, yep. but, it, and, and, and it doesn't matter if he stubbed his toe, it's an injury. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, when you play 120 games in three years and get paid the kind of money he did, and then go take that payday down South from Jordan and get injured in the first get come on. It's not a good look. Come on. It's rough. Not um, a good look. No. I mean, is he down there to play video games with Jordan because he <laughs> loves these sports now or is he down there? I mean, I oh, I, there weren't many people that, I mean, I was so excited about Gordon coming here and I was there the, the 50 feet away when he, when he had that injury opening night a couple, three years ago. No fan base for, for as hard and, and, and you know, difficult as Boston sports fans can be, man, you talk about patience for somebody and then to have him bolt and complain about touches. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like I, I kind of knew he was going to go anyway, but the way I knew from year two, because I knew Robin didn't like it here, but mm-hmm. to watch to, to the way that he went was really pretty disgusting to me. I think, I mean, I, I didn't think it was too bad. And I think, I think fans, I mean, you are – I think it's right. It's fair – somewhat fair to be upset because, you know, he didn't really get to perform here. He didn't really stay to have a healthy season. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think he got a lot of, like, a hard time on Twitter. And I don't think a lot of it was fair. He was excellent 
uh, at the beginning of the last season. He was, before and then he got hurting his hand. He stubbed his hand. But the thing about it is, is fans were more than patient for two years. Very I true. Think by year three, it was okay. You know, um, not only are you destroying this, you know, our our, our cap, but you're, you're not playing. And like, dude, you're coming around picking you. <laughs> How many <laughs> injuries that were just like. In the bubble, it was like, I'm, all right, I've had enough of this guy. Get him out of my face. Like, I've had enough. You know, so, and then it's just too ironic that Jordan is in, is now, you know, obsessed with esports. And every <laughs> time I see Gordon on Twitch, I get a Twitch alert that Hayward was on. I'd want to throw up because it'd be like he's playing friggin' League of Legends instead of basketball. It's just, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad that's over. And, I don't, I think years later we'll find out, you know, between 17, which was the worst, 17 was the worst year I've ever seen a locker room, you know. So between the Kyrie Gordon year to last year, who were the the, the problems, you know, who were causing Mm -hmm. the issues? You know, it'll be interesting to hear about that years later. Uh, Usually you get like the Jackie Mack piece at the end of the season, but we've not had one of them. Oh, she's such, Love such Jackie a good Mack. person too, man. She's just great. She's just amazing. She reminds me of of you know. When I was a kid, I was in Pennsylvania, and you didn't get league pass. There was no league pass. I mean, the internet was dial up. So like, I got the Boston <laughs> Globe, and you, and you look forward to you know ESPN and the sports reporters, and you get you know Bob Ryan, and, and then you would also get you know Jackie and Bob or Dan and Bob. I mean, it's just that to me was the golden era. Those guys told me about them and Tommy told me about basketball, taught me basketball. And Hubie Brown, who was so disappointing because he's a very miserable old man, and I loved him. That was like one of the heartbreak <laughs> moments meeting him. And the other one was be, meeting Marv Albert, who's like a mannequin. Like, dude, <laughs> oh my god! If you like, you know, if you, he's like, losing it, by the way. Yeah. Oh, he definitely. I we knew he was losing it. Women, do you remember a couple of years ago? He, I think Paul was still here. He, he, he said that the the Boston Garden, TD Garden is the worst place in the league for piped in crowd noise, and he got destroyed <laughs> on Twitter, and then destroyed the next time he was assigned to a game at the Garden. I mean, heckled beyond belief. He actually publicly apologized for it because it wasn't true. There's no piped in noise at the Garden. You guys know that. There's no yeah, I mean, Jeez, no, we don't need it. Sold out building yeah. with people it's that are not about sports. It's full of 20,000, you know, 18,000 amazing fans. I mean, Psychos. these guys know this, this is not Miami. You know what I'm saying? It is I'm not sorry. Washington. It is like the, the basketball IQ on, on Boston uh, NBA fans is so high. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys know their hoops. The best in the world. Do you th- speaking of arenas, this is, this is a gripe that I've had for a long time. Do you think Madison Square Garden is overrated because yeah. the Knicks have not been good? See, the I Knicks, agree. I think people talk that place up so much, and well, I don't get minute. it. No, 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 no. It depends on how you're saying it. So MSG, from a, a venue standpoint, is historically amazing. No, but yes. From, from a basketball being, standpoint. And, yeah, and they say, oh, it's a mecca of basketball. Yes. I guess from, from a call, I mean, let me tell you. Like, I'm the, the biggest one to say the Knicks are the most overrated franchise in sports. I Your mean, fans are entitled to. Don't get it. What'd you say? They have what? Entitled fans. They they oh, think they deserve yeah. everything. They think they deserve everything. I the other night we were doing uh, 
one of our guys said, oh, the league is better when the Knicks are good. I'm like, when were the Knicks good? Like, I, the 90s when they had to pull in the three-point line? Like, get out of here. No. The Knicks are the most dumpster-fired overrated franchise. Now, Madison Square Garden, it's hard, man. I mean, for, for to even say, like, basketball, I guess because of all the, the college games, I mean, it's hard to, to say it's not an amazing venue. I mean, it's Madison. I've never been, but like I see people talk about it and I I guess I get upset because the Boston Garden is overlooked because I think that's such an epic place. You've got the banners, you've got amazing fans that are always, you know, there. I'm sorry. Current Garden. So like or both. I mean, it's a new building, but, you know, it's still, you know, the same. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the old garden was like, yeah, man, I mean, you. You smelled the beer from 50 years ago and the cigarettes. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was like the old Yankee stadium. You know, that, that was amazing. I mean, where this is the only country in the world that, that tears down monuments. We don't memorialize them. I mean, Boston garden. I, I was, grew up in Pennsylvania. Every Christmas I got tickets to the garden from, and we would go up on a trip to Boston and see Larry Bird play basketball at Boston garden. There was nothing like it. And the new garden is is amazing. It's not the Boston Garden, but it is it is mm-hmm. still it is the greatest place to be, I think. But it's not. And don't forget, the old Boston Garden was called Boston's Madison Square Garden. Did you know that? I didn't. Know uh, that. I do remember seeing that somewhere, but it's not yeah, like something I would have remembered off the top of my head. Yeah, same uh, same builder. And if you go across the street today. There's a social club on Salem. I'm one of the streets that run uh, uh, opposite of Causeway. That's still called it's still called Madison Square Garden opposite or something. <laughs> but yeah, the old Boston Garden was awesome. The new one's great too. Um, but it's not. You know, there's certain to be said that when there's too many people looking at the jumbotron instead of you know trying to get on the jumbotron, that drives me crazy. <laughs> um, even though I've been caught doing, no, I've never been caught doing it, but the Jumbotron <laughs> in particular is, is annoying. Um, but yeah, Madison Square Garden is an amazing place though, guys. I mean, I gotta say it's, and they renovated it and made it, you know, kind of like Fenway, you know how Fenway is like, it is so historic, but it's well kept. Uh, yes. MSG is like modernized antiquity, if that makes sense. It's it's pretty cool. But I, I'm not a Knicks fan, and I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan. I still call them. The Let's New get into Nets. that because they're coming to town tomorrow for preseason. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm sure he'll play. Mm. I'm sure he'll I, play. I, I, I don't feel like, like he's that there's duck. no fans for this reason either because he's he's going to play, he's and he's play. probably he's going to play on Christmas, and they're going to make a big yeah. deal that he finally played against the Celtics. No, he there's nobody there. Count. It doesn't There's count. It doesn't count. There. And we have not, we cannot forget that he played against the Celtics, the pussy that he is in, in Brooklyn. Uh, it was last year. I can't, it's all one big year. Since no, I don't think he, he, he didn't play, he didn't but play. he showed he up to the game that was in he Brooklyn. He was at the game. He didn't yeah. come to the game at the Garden. Doesn't count. Mm-hmm. He's just, he would have got it. I mean, it would have been worse than LeBron in 2010. <laughs> it would have been worse than Ralph Sampson in 86. It would have been the most, the big, there, I, I don't know if there is a more hated Celtic ever. I would agree. Or I mean, Celtic. the thing, I said this a couple weeks ago. It, to, to have the I, confidence I to, to Ray Allen. 
that you no, say most hate. Don't you dare! No, it's different. I'm I not saying it's the same level, but I I still have hard feelings towards Ray Allen. Oh come on! <laughs> because I'm, I'm a huge guy. So You're a I huge what? Anti LeBron guy. Anti LeBron. He hates cannot LeBron. stand. I was always anti LeBron until. The last two, I gotta say, I mean, my whole company is built upon hate for LeBron. That's how it all started. I'm not kidding. That's, That's the dream. That's oh, how God. it all started, dude. I mean, it was like I used to write these long, you know, drawn out rants about how privileged and choke artist this fraud turd is. <laughs> and, you know, I picked a, I created a hate LeBron page and it turned into a blog that turned into a podcast network his rookie year. I, you know, I, I mean, but now looking at him on and off the court, I mean, how do you play as long as you do keep up the the, the, the stamina, the, the you know, his performance level, like it's like Brady-like, but then also all these years of, I mean, right back to his freshman year in high school, being under the microscope, on the spotlight, and the only real F up you have is the decision. I mean, come on, he's got to be banging somebody on the side or doing something <laughs> that's, I mean, this guy can't be that, you know, porcelain, but he is. And, yeah, and, I feel like he's uh, such a phony. You know what I mean? Like, I <laughs> always did, man. I'm with you on that. I feel like he's got something. He has to have something, he right? He has to have something. I think it's just because I mean, we want it to happen. Sam's life I mean, work is going to be finding that something, I swear. Be a detective. No, I mean, like, but here's the thing. How many athletes do you know that are, have that much staying power and I mean, even Brady is turning to a douche. I mean, like mm. this, this, this LeBron. I, I don't get it, man. Like he could do any. He's a real. I mean, did you guys do you watch his network? No, he no. Did, no. He had what, a, what is that? Uh, what is his network? Yeah, I forget what it's called. Uh, the is it? That's not the undefeated. That's that's Mark Spears. What is his network? Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Look it up. It's a I know he has Barbershop on HBO. I that think that's something he produces. That is outstanding. And he had Barack Obama on. Man, that was a great, great interview. I got to say, I never liked him. I not. I always liked Barack Obama. I never <laughs> liked LeBron. I, I mean, I, I hated him. There are, on YouTube, you'd find like rants from 12, 13 years ago that were like epic for me on him. But I have turned the corner on LeBron. I just hate that he's bringing championships to the Lakers that are, you know, rivaling the Celtics. You know, they're tied with the Celtics now. Yeah, too, that sucks. Terrible. Well, it depends on how you Uninterrupted? Uninterrupted? Uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's where, you know, and anybody who's going to go at that that uh, host on on Fox at Laura Nick England, Wright? Oh, no, Nick Wright would be, if, you know, I, I'd love to hate him, too. He might be why I like LeBron now. I, I respect him dude. because I think he's so good at his job because he's what he's doing is he's just getting people to talk about him. And well, that's what Felger and Maz do, but you guys yeah. all go crazy hating on, on Felger and Maz, I'm sure. I mean, those guys are the kings of it. I mean, it's nobody – those guys, like, I, I even find myself. I'll get, I end up – and it's usually about Felger, not so much Tony. Like, Felger, <laughs> like, he's just – please don't talk basketball. Please just suck on Brady and, and be happy. <laughs> like, don't talk basketball, dude. You know, because you're making an idiot of yourself. The crazier and shit all, you say, the more people talk about it, and that's just how the world works nowadays. He's like. very, very good at his job, the mm-hmm. bolts of the bar, and that's what they do. Same thing Nick Wright. Same thing 
Stephen A. Smith is the nicest man on earth and doesn't behave. Have you met him? On TV. Oh my God. Yeah. I stepped on, he's short and we were in a press room once and I, I mean, I've met him a couple of times, but the, the best is I stepped right on him. We both almost fell. <laughs> he's so humble and so nice. And just soft-spoken, really I nice. I love Stephen A. Smith. Who who, who do? doesn't love him, honestly? Oh, a lot of people don't like him. I love Stephen Really? A. How do you not respect what he's he done? He carries that whole network on his shoulders. He really, at this, well, so Kendrick Perkins, guys. That's my boy. Perkins, Perkins is excellent as well. Everybody said Perkins never do it, man. He's the cover of Sports Illustrated for media. I mean, he's more popular mm-hmm. now. Go look at his Twitter handle and then go to KG Paul. And Rondo and some of the, his counterparts on that championship team, Perk destroys them when it he, comes to followers and engagement. He's more famous now than he ever was as a basketball player. Uh, no question, no question about it, no doubt about it. And he's he's the best man. I mean, he's just such a nice, funny, self-deprecating guy. I mean, um, Sam and I he, always he's great on the broadcast yeah. too when he comes to great do on local the broadcast. Games. Yeah, I'm, I would prefer him. I think that Mike should have brought. Uh, uh, Perkin with them and says, <laughs> "Does he <laughs> does he decide that? Do yeah. you know? Does is he it get to pick his color guy? I think they give him respect. I you know it's, this is unprecedented that he's been with the same guy his whole career. But right. I think since Tommy's gone, I'm sure he had a had to sign off on it at least. I yeah. mean, I but Mike. So. Well, they've been doing feathers. scout for years though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Max for a while, and then Scout decided to come. He screwed them, then he came back. I don't I don't know the full story, but." It was Max for a while when Tommy stopped going on the road, um, and it was um, Donnie Marshall. Remember him? Hmm. Probably don't remember Donnie. Vaguely, it was Donnie. very vaguely. Yeah, Donnie Marshall was like the fans hated him because you had the <laughs> ultimate homer in Tommy at home games. Then you go on the road with Donnie, and he was like hardcore, analytical, was tough mm-hmm. on the Celtics quite a bit, and fans would go nuts. Scal, I mean, Scal is, I mean, he's very high. I like Scal. IQ. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, he's very high basketball IQ, but, you know, some, I, I'm, I will, re, I will take the fifth on it. I don't dislike Scal. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same, man. It was you know, really, really noticeable. Um, even though it would have been Scal for that game last, the other night, it just, you felt. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, right. I, I think Paul Pierce would be excellent. Who? Mm-hmm. Paul Pierce. He's Paul a. Pierce I mean, great. he doesn't belong on ESPN, but he'd be excellent because he's such a homer. People hate yeah. him nationally. We always talk about how ESPN ESPN broadcasters aren't the same. Like you, you can't oh, watch terrible. basketball on ESPN. They're terrible. Not only are they not the same, like they they're the king of the the uh, what is it overstating the obvious to get the sound bite <laughs> yeah. that lasts forever. I, I like I really like Kevin Harlan, but I hate that. Uh, no regard for human life. It just makes no sense. Like, but that's a total. And Mark Jackson, oh my god, Mark Jackson's <laughs> guy, but he is so bad, it's so okay. bad. I like Mike Breen a lot because I feel like Breen. every time Mike Breen's on a game, you know it's an important game. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you go back, fight, he has you watch old games is always on him. But then Jackson ruins it. I, I mean, oh, just, agreed. As much as I. He's a nice human being, but he's just absolutely terrible. And I'll tell you who's good. It was good with Stan Van Gundy. I thought he was. I like that a lot. Him in the bubble was great. He was great. I thought he was really good. I'm big on the broadcasters. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I almost 
prefer to watch the games on TV over at over the over, over watching them at the Garden. When I'm at the Garden, I listen to Grandy and Max because I have a hard time. I mean, in the press box, it's, we're way up where Johnny Most will be. We're in the rafters, so I can't see. Like I have a hard time seeing who's who. I actually got glasses because of it, and it helped a little bit. But I just do. I enjoy the game experience better when somebody's talking about it. So I end up listening to Grandy and Max in my ears while watching the game. Believe it or not, you're watching it on the jumbotron because you, it's hard to see them on the court. No, yeah, me, and, no, I I agree. Like I, whenever I go to Celtics games, I always end up sitting in the bleachers, anyways, because you know uh, I'm in college. I think Sam is too, so we, yeah. we. I always just end up sitting up there, and I like the experience, anyways. But oh, all the fans, the real fans. Exactly, are. exactly. And yeah. I could go on and on with stories. I mean, I'm sure you could mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. just the experience of watching it on TV, like ESPN versus watching it on NBC Sports Boston versus at the Garden are three very different things. ESPN is by far mm-hmm. the worst because, first of all, you have guys calling them the wrong names. Like, how do you how uh, do you get paid to cover basketball, right? Uh, back to Marv Albert. Yeah, exactly. He's losing it. <laughs> and Marv like, Albert. I mean, when I was growing up, guys, I mean, not growing up, I was probably in high school. Marv was the man. But I, even growing up, like – the greatest calls were Marv Albert when you when you played against them because the Knicks were actually decent in the seventies and eighties, you know. So, uh, yeah, he's. I feel bad for him, man. Between and you should see him like in real life, dude. He is like I swear he's like wearing a mask or something. Like it doesn't even look like a human. Kevin McHale was good. I liked McHale. You know who's horrible? Two horrendous, horrendous. I like Chris Webber a lot, but he's horrible. And Reggie Miller, please don't talk. He's the anti-Celtics guy too. Reggie Miller does not like the Celtics without Reggie saying Miller. he he like shits on the Celtics without saying it and all the time. Yeah, which is it's passive aggressive. It's so annoying. And yep. you want to talk about Ray Allen? There was nothing better than Ray taking him down for the three point crown with him calling the game. He was so Rick Barry scours, salty, pissy Reggie Miller. Love it. Hey, he's it. so annoying. By the way, speaking of Ray, do you, either you guys follow him on Instagram? I don't think I, so. I do not. Oh God, you have to. Is it is an you experience? What are we missing out on? It is. I don't even know because I like Ray. I don't, it's not like he's going to be listening to anything I'm doing or your show. No offense. He's not no, no, none no, taken. Uh, so I can probably say it. You know, like you have an what is okay. Take away the fan hate you have for Ray. What is your true opinion of him as a human, a player? Oh, he's the an way excellent he player, and yeah. he's he's a pro yeah. because he's you know pro. he's the way he never been an himself. issue. Seems like right. a quiet dude, exactly. hard worker. Right. Okay, so now I'm I'm not going to need to say anything. Just follow him on Instagram <laughs> and check out his stories three days in a row. I'm looking it at might it. Take you three. It might take you three days to get through all his stories. Ooh. I'm looking at it right I now. This is you've got to do it with volume. You can't. You can't. No, stop right now. Stop. <laughs> all right. Wait all right. until we're off, and then do it with volume. And 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 it'll be my luck. It'll be the most tame one. He's just Ray. We know he's OCD, but it is epic when you get on it. And then he, I said to him, I'm like, Ray, you need a podcast, dude. Like this Instagram shit ain't doing it, man. Because it's like it's it's in those thirty second snippets or whatever. Yeah, it sounds bizarro, and he just please. I'm not gonna say anything more. Just 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 it'll be worth the follow. 
I have some, like, I have screen recorded some to send to my friends. Like, can you believe this is Ray Allen? Because it is that, some of the shit is that bizarre. So now I ask you, though I, I know the story, oh, you know, why Rondo and him hate each other, but, like, you could see why KG probably didn't care for for Ray all that much once you follow him on Instagram. So just just check it out. Wow. You, you won't be disappointed. I'm You're excited now. You're going to me on Twitter or emailing me and going, holy fuck. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to watch this right after. I, I have it pulled up. I'm excited. But uh, So, yeah. Yeah, no, let me ask is, you. Today's probably tame, you know, so make Go sure ahead. you do it a couple days in a row. Go yeah. ahead. Ask me anything, bro. No problem. So you're from Pennsylvania. How did you become a Celtics fan? I want. To, no. I always am curious how people, um, you know, from far, like not from here, yeah. become fans, and I, I'd love to hear. Well, here's the drill, man. If if the Celtics had to rely on only Boston to be their fan base, they'd be no longer in business. There's more Celtics fans outside of Boston than in Boston. My story in particular is regarding. Uh, so growing up, I was a. You know, you, you normally, what, you follow your parents or, you know, your big brother and you kind of follow in their shoes. Well, my, my big brother and my parents loved, you're going to fall over, the Yankees and the Celtics. So, really, you know, it sounds like an oxymoron or whatever. So I grew up a Yankees and a Celtics fan. I went up to Boston once a year to go to the Garden. And opening day of the MLB actually meant something back then. We used to skip school. And take a Greyhound to see the Yankees opening day. So that that was kind of how it happened. My father uh, was a huge Hondo fan. My brother was a very big Cedric Maxwell fan, which turned me into a big Larry Bird, Cedric Maxwell, and then into the original big three. So that's kind of how it happened. And I was obsessive. I was a really good ball player. Um, I was like the all-American, uh, all-pro player up until eighth grade when I stopped growing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was a good ball player. More importantly, I was uh, I taught the game and and I I coached and and um, but I was a restaurant tour prior to this business. So like I said, I kind of stepped in shit with the LeBron heat, and it turned into this. So. The way I started with it, I can remember, uh, what was it, 2001 against the Nets. I had tuned the Celtics out in the late 90s because of what Patino did to Red. And I'm in my restaurant. By the second year we were in business, well, no, 2001, we opened after 9-11. So it was 2001. In my restaurant, and and the Celtics had been bad for so long that I never even gave it any thought. And here I look at the TV, and I'm like, oh, my God, is that the Celtics playing? They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wait a second. I'm like, and they're playing the New Jersey Nets. Like, what the fuck is that? And uh, then I, I never, I, I, I followed again. And then Pierce did that thing with, with his the the band around his head. Do you remember that? Like when he uh, faked that. Well, he he faked an injury, pretending that he got mugged by uh, the opposing the Pacers. I think it was mm. so. And the refs didn't make the call. He went out to the podium with like his head bandaged. And I was like, yeah, man, I can't, I just can't do this. <laughs> like I can't do it. And, but it really was Patino that an ML car, you know, I like ML, but like that whole era was just so embarrassing for the Celtics. And 
uh, so yeah, I circled back when I sold, when I got out of the restaurant business. But uh, yeah, it was like anybody else. You know, my dad, my brother enjoyed uh, the, they were my brother. I mean, I can remember watching games as a little kid in my grandmother's floor, like watching birds steal, steal the ball. I mean, we, we didn't miss a game because every single Sunday was a doubleheader Celtic Sixers into Lakers, Houston or, or, or Lakers Sonics. It was always, you know, on national television and you get Tommy on the national broadcast was outstanding. Mm. He was such a homer trying not to be. Yeah, and, and that's crazy. Like watching time. older highlights and he's like on the national broadcast. Like I, I, I can't yeah. imagine people on national broadcasts listening, listening to, to Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> well, you had Tommy. So the Celtics Sixers were a huge, obviously a huge rivalry. Mm-hmm. Bird, Dr. J, all that. And, uh, you had Tommy, who was trying so hard not to root for the Celtics. And like <laughs> Dick, Dick Stockton was doing the same thing with the Sixers. So it was like they would argue, too, and then check themselves that they were arguing over their fandom. Right? It was just like bizarre, funny, great, good, fast. And there was no frills. Like, it was just, you know, yeah, it was just a bare-bones basketball, man. It was great. Uh, Tommy was great, man. I, I, I like, I, I, we did a, um, a video montage for him in, in March, I want to say, cause he, Tommy was held on forever. Like he was in hospice and everything. Like nobody thought he was going to make it to April to Easter. And here he held on all that time. And man, he would walk in the press room at, at TD Garden the whole press room would get quiet. Oh, there's Tommy. He was the best in the press room, told stories and just when he felt good, everybody felt good. But when Tommy was not feeling well, man, you'd stay away from him because he, he was very, very miserable, ornery. And you could understand, I mean, the dude is, is a lot of weight to be carrying around at his age and not feeling well. And, uh, but yeah, he's going to be so missed. Like it's like the last real connection to red it kills me mm-hmm. i guess max you could say i was talking to max yet uh today and i said listen you ever think maybe like in 85 when they shipped you out did you ever think maybe you'd be the the souls because red hated max so are you you'd be like is red rolling in his grave right now and he's giggling i'm like you're like the patriarch now that tommy's got <laughs> <laughs> maxwell <laughs> he laughed his ass off you know uh it's, it's crazy, man. Do you I, have I, any? I don't know. I can keep going on and on. You get me going with history. That's my thing. No, I was just gonna ask you. Do you have any favorite Tommy stories from your experiences with him? Like anything that stands out when I say that? Mm-hmm. Most of them, like like things that have been told to me or things that I've witnessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, either one. Uh, just anything yeah, you can think I mean, of. He would just tell stories all the time. Like yeah. he'd talk about how he was. You know, an insurance. He sold insurance, I think, and and uh, Red asked him to to come back, and uh, he broadcasted them. That was in like the late '60s, I want to say. And then to take over that team from Bill Russell and have that team be depleted the way it was, and bring them back to championship form was impressive. And he would get. They used to call him Tommy Hawk, like a tomahawk, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they call him the Tommy Gun. And he was the, the king of the hook shot. So, you know, uh, he kind of didn't invent it, but maybe he was shooting the hook shot before Kareem. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, I mean, when he was healthy, you'd see him once in a while throw a hook up at the, at the hoop. Um, 
he always smelled like smoke, even though they said he quit smoking. Um, he just, I, unfortunately, a lot of what I remember is, is, is the last couple of years where he was just very hot or cold. Like you'd see him and he was either Tommy, like you see on TV or, um, you know, uh, he spent a, would spend a lot of time in the player's lounge, like just kind of being alone. Like it just felt bad for him. Once his yeah. wife died, that was kind of the end of that. But Tommy Heinsohn was a big painter, as you know. It's not, but he was a, um, a huge fan of Winston Churchill. Did you know that? And Did Winston, not know that. Yeah, Tommy was brilliant. Um, big, well-read, well-schooled uh, well, uh, and everything. So Winston Churchill was also a avid painter. And that's why Tommy started to, that I know of. And so I lost my puppy in right before quarantine. I lost my dog of 17 years it was brutal Sorry. and i just got an no, okay. i just got another dog um actually he's like six weeks old and i've had him about a week now but he was coming he was he was uh, uh he was supposed to come be delivered the week that tommy passed so everybody was saying i was saying what should i name this dog everybody's saying tommy heinson heinson heine tommy gun tommy there's like one of my buddies goes, he looks like a Winston. And I'm like, you know what? That honors Tommy because he was a big fan of Winston Churchill. So I went with Winston. But I have more stories about Gorman, I'd say, who's just, and not funny uh, stories, just the biggest gentleman you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, never forgets a name. Um, just the sweetest, nicest, most professional m- person I've ever been around and in in this industry um so humble and uh just just a class 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 act and and truly one of my favorite people in in media that and and so glad that i thought for a while there like we were we had him on one of our shows during uh the quarantine and he dropped that paul pierce's all-time favorite celtic i'm like over larry bird i can't believe that but i thought for a while there like he might retire when Tommy passed and I'm glad he's not going to, because it would not be the same without, I have never watched the Celtics when Mike Gorman wasn't doing the, I mean, I have, but I mean, when he wasn't the play-by-play guy, you know what I mean? Like the regular yeah. play-by-play guy. It, Gorman it's so is amazing. funny. Like he's like my dream. Like, like, I don't know if you would say idol. Cause I don't know if I want to do mm. play-by-play, but like he is the gold no, standard yeah. of like 100%. what you want to be. Oh my God. When I was a kid playing hoops in the street ball, right? You know, you'd have uh, Larry, fake, fall away at the buzzer. Like, I knew every time you'd launch a shot, you would do a Mike Gorman impersonation of him calling the shot for you. You know what I mean? Like, that's how long this goes back. He was just magic. He still, he's mad. His voice is magic, um, it's immediately recognizable. Uh, it's almost like, you know, how I don't know. You guys are in college, so you're probably not, you know, classic rock fans. But like (laughs) rock and roll, if you're really, you knew without knowing if that was Eddie Van Halen playing guitar or Brian May or you know Led Zeppelin or whatever. Same thing with Mike Gorman. Like a couple years ago, I'm watching the Olympics. I'm watching it was like volleyball or something. I'm like, I think that's Gorman on the call. So I texted him. He's like, Yeah, that's me. fucking crazy he's just immediately recognizable that voice no yeah you know? and, and an amazing boston accent just perfect i'll tell you you talk about tommy tommy stories 
this is not so much an insider story, but when I was growing up, so he was on the CBS broadcast. And then because I was in Pennsylvania and you had no league pass or anything else, you know, you had no access to the games. So at the end of the season, I had this guy, his name was Ed, that lived up here in Boston. And you would call him and he VHS all the games for me. So he would VHS record all the games for diehard fans. Out of the way. He made a fortune selling these games. So we would, I would get the whole season on VHS. And I, dude, like I'd watch all those games. Sometimes I still, not on VHS, I'll watch them on YouTube now. But anyway, the biggest shit show of all time would be Tommy on play by play and Koozie on color. Oh my God. Koozie's <laughs> accent and Tommy not knowing the players' names. It was like, it was like special ed class for, for uh, broadcasters. But like you loved every minute of it because it was the coos and, yeah. and Tommy got like, I mean, come on, this doesn't get better. I mean, you guys, I feel so bad that you missed like the, the gold. Oh, I'm bummed. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, wish. red. You guys ever see the footage of uh, the uh, when Larry Bird got into an all out brawl with Ivoroni on the Philadelphia 76ers? Probably. If not, you, I think so. That, I don't know. That's not the Dr. J one where they're choking no, each other. It's a different one. time. No, I remember that one. Now, that's another one. But this this Ivoroni one, it's at Boston Garden. It's preseason. And, uh, preseason. If you, if you're, it's preseason. If you, they would play them four times in the preseason. Now, think about it. And from 1979 to 85, I want to say for six years, four of those six years and three years in a row, they met in the Eastern Conference Finals and all three games went to seven games. And all three series, uh, the Celtics were down three to one and came back on, I think, one of those three. Anyway, they were they hated each other. So there's a, a you know, brawl breaks out between Bird and a scrub for the Sixers, Ivoroni, his name was, a nice Italian guy. And anyway, it gets, it's a melee. And all of a sudden you look and there's this little leprechaun on the court ripping Billy Cunningham's coat, which is the coach of the Sixers. It's Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach. <laughs> I mean, this is how crazy it was. He came down from the stands and was in the middle of the brawl. If you remind me to direct message me, I will send you the cut of that. It is outstanding. Like, that's basketball. Like, today what we watch, it's okay. It's good. It's just not as physical and great. You know, the bird brawl was great, too. The bird um, brawl with Dr. J was awesome. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wish is. I was there to watch these live. Like these these clips, I see obviously Sam and I have seen uh, the Doctor J fight. I haven't seen the one you're talking about, but I can't oh, imagine. Oh no, no, it's epic! It's epic. Uh, I will send it to you. Just remind me. Yeah, no, All for right. sure, for sure. I, it's I, epic. I can't imagine Celtics and not see this clip. I'm ready. I'm excited. I can't imagine watching a basketball game now because uh, obviously it wouldn't happen. And just watching a full out like just fist fight with like the coaches. Like the co- oh. closest thing we saw was. I think it was like a few years ago. Yeah, the yeah. The That's the closest thing. And That's I remember. That's what changed the league. That's what really, really, like Stern, who, to me, David Stern was, I, I can't, I can't put into words what a brilliant man he was, mm-hmm. right? So he saved the NBA. Bird and, and Magic, sure, they, 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 they helped him. But it was David Stern because if there was no David Stern, no one would even know about Bird and Magic because the games were in tape delay. So David Stern was amazing, but like he always wanted to get away from, uh, um, there was a, a major connotation of it being a drug infested league and a lot of fighting and physicality. And 
he kind of always wanted to move away from and get more towards the the the, the, the purity and poetry of the game, right? Which is, I think, you know, the dunking, the fast breaks, and, you know, what you see today. The malice at the Palace Gate, which obviously he had the excuse, but it gave him the excuse to to really move towards that. And I think what we see today, some some games, particularly when LeBron is playing, um, are intolerable because of all the whistles. Like, uh-huh. there's no continuity. You're constantly stopping and going to line. Now with the, the contest, the coach contest, you know, the, the reviewing and everything else, it's becoming just... While other leagues are trying, the MLB is trying to figure out how to shorten their game. Our game is getting longer. I would love to see the physicality come back. Far less three-point shots, more of a low post game, uh, two-man game, and and the old school, which isn't really that old, but the old school game that really probably the last you saw of it in any form was 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 that period where the Celtics and Lakers were. Uh, competing in and from 08 to 2010 yeah. 11 that era i mean that was probably the last of it and then you know the the warriors and and it's just i it's i i i would have more fun talking to bob ryan bitching about it than actually watching uh it sometimes sometimes it's brutal to watch with all the start and stop start and stop start and stop so something this is just a random you know fun question i want to ask say that era did come back like you asked which guy in the it league? Will. Which which guy in the league do you think would just beat the shit out of everybody else? Like, who do you oh think? Who I do you think, think would just win? Draymond would do well. Back All right, then. let's let's put the let's, let's position well, you, it that. You way. got James Johnson, the guy who's like a black belt. James Johnson's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he'd go to jail. If he, anybody, true, a black belt. <laughs> you know, you know who would get his uh, ass kicked? Mm-hmm. Pat, Pat Bev would get his ass kicked so fast. Oh, so many, I mean, so many of these guys. That's what you say about even LeBron. I mean, he is so he's so physically imposing, but at the same time, he's so dependent upon having the whistle blow for him every single time he touches the paint. That if he was playing back then, all he'd never get back on defense because all he'd do is complain about no whistle. Where's the whistle? Right. So. I'm trying to think. Draymond would do well back then. Um, there's a Marcus. couple. Of yeah, Marcus, Marcus. Marcus was Dennis Johnson to a T. I mean, mm-hmm. even right the older DJ. That I mean, Dennis Johnson. He'd go one for eleven and hit the game-winning shot. Marcus is similar. He's clutch. <laughs> you know, he's he can miss quite a bit of shots, but he hits the big ones and and does everything no one else wants to do. He's the best defender on the court. Marcus is definitely a throwback. Good call. Who else? Um, Trying to think it's around hard. the league. Me too. That's a, it's, it's boogie. Uh, I feel like Boogie could indeed, boogie could do to a okay. certain degree. I, mm-hmm. I think if he would just get unlazy and get in shape, yeah, he, he he could play with his back to the basket. Duncan, of course, was a throwback. Um, Pre-injury across bo- the generation. Boogie hmm? Cousins. Well, I feel like Drummond would be good back then because Drummond. he's yeah, he's I so old Drummond. school. You know, he doesn't shoot. He's a rebounder. Yeah. Same thing with uh, oh god now how could this happen to me that I'm, I'm missing his name <laughs> uh, Toronto come on Kyle Lowry uh, and Lowry Lowry could play back then I think um, who else I, I'll tell you what I mean Tatum has quite a uh, he has a modernized throwback game he's got a great mm-hmm. step back shot great 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 hands and feet um, he could hit the three but 
as we know from two years ago when Twitter, when social media would blow up every time he'd not take a three because he was a foot inside the line or whatever. Um, right. You know, and, and he has a, a nice game with his back to the basket. I was watching practice the other day and him and, and Jalen were playing one-on-one, but they were playing it back to the basket only. And Tatum was between those long arms, you know, and he has a great up and under. He has a great scoop shot around the rim. You don't get to see it quite so often because of where he's playing during gameplay, but he, he has a throwback game. Um, Hayward, I think, is, could, could, could have a throwback game. The mid-range um, shot is huge. For mid-range. Him. I mean, I miss that mid-range game, the Kobe Pierce zone, oh, yeah. that area. Mm-hmm. I miss that very much. That's why I think I, Lowry is, is a, could be a throwback. Draymond plays with that physicality and instigation. He's not afraid of anybody. That's why I keep going to him. He's grossly overpaid right now. But, um, but and he get killed back then. But I think he could. He, 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 I think he. I think he could have. Could have. He could have defended back then. I'm trying to think of who else. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's sad. Oh, Davis. I think probably has some of those. He would do well. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Let me ask you this. This is a trick question. Mm-hmm. This is a trick question. So watch your answer. Uh-oh. How would guys like, let's just say one guy, how would Kareem Abdul-Jabbar do in today's game? Well, I feel like anybody that was great throughout their career, and this is something I think about Bill Russell all the time because people say, you know, he played in this, the league with oh, eight please. teams. Yeah, please, you know, he... Please. But he was a winner. You know what I mean? Like, he was the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think if any of those guys played today, their games would match today's Wait a game. Minute. They would be thought. great. Keep that thought. He was the best player in the league playing against maybe Will. the most dominant force ever to play before or since mm-hmm. with Will Chamberlain. So that's a big, big thing. And And with those eight teams, no one ever mentions the fact that um, there were only eight teams, so they were all like the dream team. People also it. don't like to mention that the Lakers were a team then. You know, they love to well, say how the Celtics championships but, are old, but, I mean, they the steamrolled the Lakers every year to get them. Count. They don't count. If the Lakers' five titles in Minneapolis counts, why don't they? First of all, I have letterhead from Dr. Buss in 1990 that at the top has the Lakers' championships. Dr. Buss did not consider Minneapolis um, to be – uh, part of the Lakers, L.A. Lakers franchise, and it wasn't recognized by the league until the late 90s. But also, if the Minneapolis Lakers five titles actually count, why in the name of God won't they retire George Mikan's number? Very true. It's, it's honestly crazy that they haven't. I mean, it's ridiculous play. that they haven't. They have statues. and Everybody makes fun of the Celtics for having so many retired numbers. If you go to the, uh, the Staples Center, there's statues. All it's like the Coliseum. There's so many statues. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, okay. So back to what you're saying. So Kareem. Mm. Yeah. Right. How would he do today? I interrupted you. Go ahead. You said well, he, he would him. obviously be great, and I don't think I gave Jack to to give an answer. I mean, any any player that's great in their career is going to adjust to whatever the game was. So if he was if he was young enough to play today, if he was born whenever, I mean, 
he would have he would have a jump shot because that's what the that's yeah, what the way I would I would tend to agree with that. I feel like uh, a, any good player could adapt to the game. I think it would if you just dumped him in his like in the current state, he might like take a second to adjust to it. But if he had the time to like you know develop and grow into this game, I don't see any reason he couldn't have been the same like dominant force. That or the Love. game would shape to him because he was so dominant. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the answer. Love the answers. I can't disagree with any of you, but I think the I think this is in fact the real answer is as it did in college when they banned the dunk, <laughs> the game would adjust to Kareem. I don't think you would see, you know, uh seven foot players shooting launching I mean they would do it. They they're more athletic now. They have the they handle the ball better now, but you wouldn't see that being a core part of their game. I think Kareem, there is no one in today's NBA that could stop this guy hook. Not one player. I don't care who you say. It's only been blocked by maybe two guys in the 20 years Kareem played. That sky hook, and it's a shame that players don't learn it. Coaches don't teach it. I mean, the closest today. thing is Jokic, right? Because Jokic has got some nasty things. I'm not saying it's anywhere near Kareem, but that's the closest thing I've seen. Yeah, it's the closest. I mean, I would say, yeah, but there's not really been anything... Oh, I challenge you. Go on. Don't look at Kareem in the late 80s. Go and look at Kareem in the mid-70s and how athletic and graceful he was with that sky hook. And, I mean, everybody says, oh, that's all he had. No, no. He had a great turnaround. He had a great bang shot. He could shoot a 20-foot jumper. Um, but the biggest thing was, yeah, the sky hook was unstoppable. So why not shoot it every single time down the court? And Kareem, to me, is the best player of all time. Hmm. Sam and I have no, had many debates on best player. Uh, I wouldn't. Say I always say player, it's but... Russell because he won the most and he was the best player in the. You know, winner. but yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it's a it's a really tough debate, and I think the and I've said to Jack, I think the best way to handle any kind of like debate rankings is a pyramid. You know, certain guys are on the same level as others. It's hard to place them up and above each other. Like a tier list. But, I mean, that's a very fair choice. Leading scorer of all time. You know, he's dominant. <laughs> Six won six team, titles six if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, uh, ahead of his time in so many ways with in regards to uh, demanding a trade and and just just being socially active in the civil rights cause. I mean, Kareem, as a fan back then, we hated him because he was a not a likable guy. He was very miserable. Um, <laughs> as he's gotten older, he's really. But Russell was really. As he's gotten older, uh, Kareem has turned sweet, you know. Um, but I don't. I, I you knew like I remember in '87 when Magic took that baby hook. That that play was called for Kareem, and Kareem couldn't shake loose, and, and Magic did. But the point is, you knew, you knew last shot of the game, just like you knew Jordan last shot of the game, right? You knew Bird last shot of the game. Mm-hmm. But not only did you know it was Kareem that was going to take the last shot. But you knew where he was going to take it from, how far from the basket, and what shot it was going to be. And he made it more than he missed it. You know what I mean? So he's just the greatest. And plus, he spanned really three generations. Um, and I'll shock you here with another one. Uh, Kobe doesn't sniff my top ten. Really? I think Kobe's really overrated, honestly. And overrated. It's not It's not the Celtic in me. It's just like it, – it's not that he's a bad player. And he had no, he's a great ethic. player. Right, right, right. But like – I don't know. It's just people, people, I don't know if it's recency bias, obviously a tragedy. And so people tragedy. really push him up now, but even before then, you know, people are dying. They, people love Kobe. 
Well, I mean, good-looking, charismatic guy. I mean, as much as he could be snarky and annoying, you love when he would just stare at the media a certain way and they'd all quiver. <laughs> uh, it's just extremely smart, you know. Um, but he was really a, he could be douchey. Um, but and I think he was he's probably, I mean, like LeBron in the last. I'll ask you guys if you if you're to to look at LeBron James. Um, game seven. Now, not the whole game. Now, going into game seven, I said, Oh, God, he is going to be not, not he's going to be, he's going to be unstoppable. And if he's not, the refs are going to make him unstoppable, right? We could say it all, but not the whole game. It is a tie game with two seconds on the clock. Are you holding your breath if LeBron has the ball? I'm only holding my breath for the the rest not to blow the whistle. But even if they do, he's probably going to brick one of two free throws. He's probably going to brick both free throws. Yeah, no. But Kobe, Kobe is one of the last guys that sincerely, like, ice in his veins, that Jordan mm. or Burt type feeling where you knew if that game was close, Kobe would hit it. So that's where I give Kobe's props. But And – and he was smart, but I mean, the dude would launch 80 shots a game. I mean, it would be yeah. ridiculous. That, that was what did it for me, especially yeah. towards the end where people would love, love Kobe. I was like, dude, he shoots so many shots. You know, I, I personally am all about efficiency. I love when like someone has a knockdown game. And I think, I, I almost feel like certain missed shots are turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, actually, no, that is a great take. You're right. Yeah. So seeing like a bunch expensive. of missed shots, like that, those could have been better shots. Yeah. I mean, I think that. I mean, I don't know if you guys are stat geeks and analytics spreadsheet annoyances like uh, <laughs> a lot of what Celtics Twitter is, but you know, I think a hell of a lot of uh, Brad Stevens called shots, plays, or, or call, shots that he accepts because they're open are turnovers. Like I, I don't want to see Daniel Tice shooting threes. I don't care what his percentage. It's just it's not pretty. He's not going to hit it in big positions and. I prefer a, a a better percentage shot. That's a turnover to me. You know, a blocked shot that's blocked into the stands, that's a turnover to me, even if it's not on the stat book. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, yeah. Agree with you. So, Are you stat geeks? Uh, no, not to some degree. I like stats more than Sam. I would I, I'm not. I like... You know, I'll use them. You know, if you're writing, you obviously will put the stats. You look yeah, well, if you're that's different. analyzing. Yeah. Analytics. Are you analytics? Geek? I would argue I am more than Sam is, I, I think. Yeah. I, I, I tend to look at that stuff a little more than um, Sam. But so yeah. my guy, so like I, I'm not uh, on the, we have the Garden Report, which has been, we've been going, this is our 11th year doing that show. Yeah. And I am no longer on it. I got booted. Um, that's what happens when you're the boss and you're probably only good for hot takes and old stories. Uh, so, but anyway, I still go on once in a while, but there was, you know, several years where I was doing it at the end, at, on the, on the court at the end of every game. And Jimmy Toscano, I don't know if you know him, he's, he's with my company, he was with NBC for years. Mm-hmm. He and I are just the opposite of, of stats. And the, here comes a young guy, you know, who, it looks like he'd be an analytics guy and, and we're like, who is this dude? And all of a sudden, like we find out, you know, we introduced to him, we'd say, okay, yeah, let's bring him on the show and we'll make fun of him to his face. We said this, right? <laughs> because of the stack geeks, right? And, and then because at this time it was not such an analytical driven game, 
and uh, he was on the cutting edge. Well, the, the young man who, who, who was with us for a whole season learning to be on camera was Kevin O'Connor. And here he's made a career by being a stack geek. And I still see, like when I, first of all, the nicest guy you'll ever meet, down to earth, good man. But I still see him in the press room, like for the very few occasions the ringer sends him in to Boston, I'd be like, Oh God, not the spreadsheets. He laughs. He's <laughs> such a sweet guy. But yeah, I mean, I, we have always been, uh, me and J- Jimmy and I have always been like, nah, we like the drama. We I, I, See, I'm a big body language guy. I, I can look at the court and say, man, from the opening buzzer, this ain't going to be our night. Just by the way everybody's walking. I, I preseason game, I knew we were just looking at them coming out like these guys are not dialed in for this. You know, like it's preseason, they're bored. So, like, I'm more body language. I'm more stories of the game uh, being played, not necessarily, like, historical stories, but stories about the game, different gameplay, interaction, that kind of thing. Couldn't care less what your effective field or your three – I don't even know the shit in analytics <laughs> nonsense. I'm like, what is that stat? Three – it's got more abbreviations than – you know, anything I've seen. So, yeah, I don't find that fun, but to each their own. And it's definitely the way the game has gone. Although I think everything is cyclical. I think the big man will come back. The game to the back of the basket game will come back. I think analytics has failed guys like Brad more than it's helped them. I mean, who in God's name, two years in a row, analytics destroyed the two front-running teams, which would be like mm-hmm. the Kyrie, and we could this closes the loop for us. We could talk about Friday's game finally. But <laughs> we got the Sixers last year, who on paper should have dominated and got swept. And then the year before, you had the Celtics' most disappointing season. And God, I can't say how many, maybe since 1990. I don't even friggin' know. It was just so they should have won six high 60s and been in the NBA Finals, and it was the worst ever. But on paper, they were so damn good. Um, so analytics and 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 that doesn't always win. That's I mean, my it's, moral of the story. I'll I'll hold my hands up. I, I like analytics. Like I, I'm a fan of it. But at the same time, you can't like you don't understand how impactful a player can be until you watch them. Like look at Marcus Smart. Like exactly. I, I do like looking at stats. So I can watch mm-hmm. like Marcus Smart shoot below forty percent from the field, which on paper is bad, and I can watch him shoot below thirty five percent from three, which is bad. But if you watch mm-hmm. Marcus Smart on a nightly basis, you know how amazing he can be, mm. right? Like you can't ju- you can't just look at the paper. Like it's good for reference, but you do. can't just do it. Exactly. And it's like and oh go ahead, Sam, go ahead. I'm so happy you brought up Marcus because I wanted to ask you this, Nick. But before I get into my question, like you mentioned Marcus and how impactful he is. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy is a – he lives in the moment. I mean, look, he mm-hmm. came out and hit five threes in a row in that game two Beast. against Toronto, and it was the game changer. Was, that was Beast. a Dennis Johnson game. I mean, he is – what's his uh, what's his Twitter handle? Isn't it like – Young Game, game changer. changer. That's his foundation. Yeah, I mean, and it's true. And I will say this, his rookie season, I didn't come up. I was, I, I, so I used to come up here during the basketball season and go back to Pennsylvania. His rookie year, I didn't come up because I was devastated about uh, Doc. Doc's my, my favorite and Doc leaving. And I wasn't, a, I wasn't, I wasn't a Brad guy. I didn't know who he was. Right. So I was just so used to Doc and I was just, and they sucked. And I was like, you know what? Let Jared Weiss do it. Let Jimmy do it. And they'll be fine. 
And so anyway, I was not a Marcus Smart fan. Like I was so bad that I was bitching about him on our post game show because I did a lot of the post game shows, the calling show we used to have, and I'd be bitching about him all the time. Let me tell you, the next year, I had come back up, you know, to to cover the, the season, and watching him in person even defies what. We see on television watching him, it certainly defies the box score. But what he does off camera while on the court, so that the camera's not focused on him, is just next time you're at the garden, make sure you watch him off the ball, watch him off where the camera would normally be with the ball handler. And he's just so good. I mean, he is, and that shit does not land in the box score, does not get talked about the next day. Certainly doesn't get talked about years later, but it's the stuff that leads you to wins. I mean, how many times in those well overachieving um, Isaiah Thomas teams did, did was it guys like Marcus or even Evan Turner for that matter who hit the big shot? You know, but they were they missed every shot prior to that. You know, the analytics guys would say, "Don't go." We used to always Max and me used to always laugh. We'd say because I used to sit downstairs. I don't. I hate to sit downstairs because. There's not enough room, um, but you can see the game at least. But Max would sit right in front of me. We'd laugh because he would launch a three in the whole garden with like, oh, please, no, you know, and <laughs> they were maybe right the first five of the game, but the next three in the fourth quarter, you were thanking God he was hitting them. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I am a huge Marcus Smart guy. I think it would be a – and everybody, including Felger and Maz, are on and on and on. Get rid of this guy. I can't. I, shoots, I hate shoots, it. Shoots too much. Shoots too much. Yeah, you know what? Come, you know, the 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 the, the back-and-forth two-point game in the playoffs, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, give and take, give and take. You're going to wish you had Marcus Smart because he Always. is the game changer in those moments. You said it in the bubble. I mean, that's a great example. And even if he does shoot too much at times, like you can say that and you can say it's a bad shot, but everything else he brings to the table, Sam always yep. says this. You can't just draft, like when they wanted to trade him for the second pick, you can't just draft another, you know, defensive mm-hmm. lock on and be a first team energy guy. And for, for a couple like weeks, I, I even thought like, oh, maybe it is time to get rid of him. But then the more, you know, Sam, I'll give you credit, Sam, for convincing me. It's just like you can't draft another Marcus. Like you can't have somebody so in, I mean, players like Marcus are more rare than somebody like Kemba. Yeah, where so Kemba is an excellent player, yes. excellent scorer, all star starter last season. But I mean, dude, Marcus is like one. I don't know what the odds would be, but like he's special in his own way. Very and special. That's why and I think people say that Celtics fans overvalue Marcus. But like people, do we really people do we mix really overvalue. They mix up value and talent. Fans. People mix up value yeah. and talent too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great. I mean. This is going to sound weird after I don't remember which game it was, but when he had that explosion, but that you take the good, you take the bad with an emotional guy. For the most part, he's a great teammate and he's, he's a great locker room guy. And, you know, even though there was that in the bubble, there was that one altercation or whatever in the locker room, that's going to happen on teams. Marcus Smart, for the most part is, you know, he's light. He, you know, he's just, just good to be around. Just good to be around. Good to be around. It, I miss Al. It, uh, yeah, I, I, I really miss Al. He's been think, good on the Boston. I think Al a lot more us. people do than you would think. Mm. Al Horford misses us. That is a hundred percent true. You Danny know. Ames said something. He he hinted at that. I on, know. Uh, 
no. Toucher and Rich, big fan of them. He he had the interview and he was saying they You're were asking about Hayward. And Rich? Yes, Sam I loves it. I need to watch dude, it, dude. I fucking I don't know if you can curse on the show, but I really don't care. Go ahead. Go ahead. I fucking love those guys. They are so funny. Like I'm not a big comedy guy. They I just they're, they're so funny the way they approach it. Like you could tell they're not originally sports broadcasters because they have this definitely a unique perspective on it. They're just great. I, I can't say yeah. enough. They're the best. And they they're always great. have excellent interviews too. Great getting interviews. Back, Danny's great. Gorman's yeah. great. Yeah. Brad's getting great. back, but like he was talking about Hayward leaving, and they were they were yeah. uh, kind of prodding him on mm-hmm. the, the take that had been going around. Celtics can't hold mm-hmm. any good players. And mm-hmm. he was saying, well, like, you know, I know at least one of those guys would do anything to be back here. And he was yeah. obviously well, talking about Warford because he wasn't yeah, talking, he about talking about Kyrie. He could have been talking about Isaiah Thomas, though. That's true. Isaiah Thomas, like everybody's saying that also. And my guys are saying it, too. I wish I was on the show with them because I'd, I'd smack them with this. It's like <laughs> you have Kyrie Irving who wanted to leave. Good. Good riddance. You had Gordon Hayward who want to leave. Eh, too bad. I mean, that's a sad thing, but like, unfortunately, touches Gordon. Okay, go to and be in purgatory in in in, uh, in Charlotte. You can get your touches and get injured. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, Al Horford got paid a billion dollars and didn't want to leave and said it publicly. Isaiah Thomas, like, they needed to get the jaws of life to get him out of the garden to have him leave. So Paul Pierce. Gave the Celtics the biggest assist in maybe franchise history by allowing for or and, and convincing KG to allow the no trade clause to be waived and spent the last couple of years of his career as a journeyman bragging. He was like the Celtics public relations officer and he still <laughs> is. So how bad is it? What? Because Kyrie and, and Gordon, I mean, that is the year that never happened, the Kyrie and Gordon year. Never happened. I, I was talking to Gorman. I said, man, you know, <clears throat> I, it's it's so weird, you know, seeing Kyrie in a, in a, in a Celtics uniform back then. And thinking, no, I said something like thinking back then, it's weird to think about Kyrie in a Celtics uniform. His response back to me is he never wore a Celtics uniform. <laughs> never happened. And then Bob Ryan, I'll say, who, Sidney Wicks, Curtis Rowe? You guys don't know them, but Google them. They're the most infamously hated Celtics players before Kyrie. What about Kyrie McAdoo? Too, he was someone that Bob didn't McAdoo, want to be. Not fair. Not fair. That's not fair. I mean, you're right. He didn't want to. Be I, I I don't know all that much about it, but I kind of I. That's my understanding. Was he yeah, was kind of Kyrie, but not really. It, it was uh, a weird situation. Yeah, I mean, okay, so Bob McAdoo, and I know him well. He first of all. He is the funniest man of all time. I will send you some trash talking um, him, Max, Michael Cooper, James Worthy, just trash talking on Harden and Westbrook and stuff. Great stuff. McAdoo's hilarious. But he never wanted to come here. And uh, Red didn't want him here. And he knew it. When he arrived in Boston, none of the Celtics um, staff would pick him up at the airport. So actually, Bob Ryan did. I think he met them in Detroit. Uh, anyway, he never, ever got an apartment here because he, he just felt he'd never stay here. He ended up crashing on Max's couch for 20 games and then got traded in what 
So Bob McAdoo actually gave us Kevin McHale and, and Robert Parrish because that's the trade that facilitated started one of the pieces that facilitated that trade. ML Carr was in that too. But McAdoo, <clears throat> um, he was a always perpetually disgruntled player, but he never wanted to be here because of the racist um, implications about the city. And at that time, if you remember, well, you don't remember, I don't remember either, but I wasn't born. I was born, but I was a baby. But they had the busing um, disputes here where they had the, you know, they, there's that iconic picture of the white guy going at a black guy with an American flag to stab. I mean, it's just horrifying. Google it. It's terrible. It was, like, it's in the uh, Celtics Lakers documentary from ESPN. Probably, yeah, I know uh, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and so McAdoo, it was more than, and he was treated poorly. It was part of that John Y. Brown situation where they, uh, Red was going to quit. Like it was just a really tumultuous period. But he he averaged thirty points a game when he was here for those twenty games. I mean, so he still played. Um, and then you see the real McAdoo for the Lakers. I mean, it was past his prime, but he he was a great teammate. So um, no, I think there's no comparison to Kyrie. I'm and I'm glad you cleared it up because I would have went thinking that. So yeah, yeah I'm, no, I'm McAdoo glad that a bum rap. And I I, I would I, I could send you some. Some, if you remind me of all this shit, I will, because I forget everything the minute I say it. But um, if if I could send you some stuff like Bob Ryan talking about him, um, and then some stuff where we we he's a regular recurring guest on on our network, so I have tons of stories with him talking about Boston, and and also remind me to send you the McAdoo stuff on Boston. You'll have a different perspective. One of the more under discussed greatest talent. How is that man not a top 50 player of all time? The most bogus list of all time. He's not. He just got, actually, he's in the top 60 now. He got voted into the 10 <laughs> players they allowed in this year. And I think he didn't even show up. He was like, why, why bother? Dude was rookie of the year, defensive player of the year one year, scoring champion one year, uh, you know, has three championships, um, just was just way ahead of his time and, you know, doesn't get top 50 because he said things that were unpopular, um, but the the real hated Boston Celtics ever is is Curtis Rowe and Sidney Wicks, and and those guys. You Google them, you'll understand why. There's plenty of stories. They, I think it was Wicks, was infamous for saying, "The W's don't come in my paycheck." There's no oh, W in my paycheck. Yeah, I mean he was just bad, like super talented guys who just underachieving, nasty, miserable people. And that's who, you know, the old timers compared Kyrie to um, were those guys. Kyrie, I will tell you, that was the worst locker room I have ever been in, let alone covered. It was horrible. It's they just, would win games and it would be nasty. My thing horrible. about Kyrie, especially like, because coming back to TD and how we say he's not going to get a free pass, obviously, because there's no fans there. How do you have mm -hmm. the confidence? And I've said this before. How do you have the confidence to say you're going to run your own team? but then not have the confidence to come face the people that you left. Like, you're ducking all the fans because, you know, you, you left them with a, such a sore taste in your mouth. And he's you, always done that too, Jack. Exactly. Yeah, like, he, the audacity. Yeah, the audacity. Exactly. I don't, I don't I mean, think about it. He, he, on fan night, he announced he wasn't leaving. And yeah, then, yeah. You know, MSG, I'll never forget it. I'm sitting, there's a restaurant below where I live. I'm sitting in the restaurant. I'm watching the MS and Kyrie dropped that bomb on Steve Volpet about 
not, you know, reneging the uh, the, the yeah. fact that he was going to stay here. So he doesn't know anyone anything. To get think. on the road and go down to Madison Square Garden, we got to get this because it's going to be a complete implosion as the night goes forward. And it was. I mean, he's just here. My thing about Kyrie is this, and he has me blocked on Twitter. He is <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, and I don't mind saying this. You can tweet it. I'll retweet it. I don't care if you tag him. I'm, he won't see it anyway. Block me. But I'm pretty sure he had about 17 burner accounts harassing me at one point. I'm not. Really? It doesn't surprise me. I'm not that me. egotistical, but, and I'm not that a narcissist like him. But I'm, and so I'm not so full of myself to think that. But I was trashed him so bad all the time. He blocks me. Then all these, you know, two and three follower accounts are harassing me for the whole rest of the season. They're saying they're Celtics fans. The minute the season's over and he's gone, I have never seen any one of them since. I have searched their names because I knew them so well. I mean, they were coming at me all the time. Can't find them anywhere. Um, I, I mean, we've been in a press room. We did a, a segment on what what uh, what the Celtics need for Christmas that year. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, uh, we were talking, it was a spoof segment. It was silly. So you're like, right. you know, um, would you, who would you invite to your Christmas party was one of the things, right? And Josue, I do the segment with Josue Pavon, and he says, uh, rattles off a bunch of names. I'm like, how could you not invite Kyrie? I mean, the guy would be like, intriguing like kind of fascinating conversation even if it makes no sense it will lead to good conversation so. he's such a and cryptic dude that, oh man he, he thinks he's so smart and he's really not <laughs> and so we're in the press from about i think it was like christmas day or something it was like a couple it was like a week or two later or whatever and he's like any of you guys having a christmas party and you guys not invite me to your Christmas party? And he could have very well been just being Kyrie Douchey. But Josue's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, is that even really being said right now? Like, did he is he watching our shit? Which is very <laughs> possible. He could have stumbled across it. I don't know. But the point is, then he blocks me. Then the trolls come. And they weren't just harassing me. They were harassing every – and it wasn't like, you know, across Twitter. It was like the same people – harassing yeah. my employee it's pretty clear it was either publicist is or it was him and and one of them showed up right after the media air quote the air quote fraudulent media blackout this year <laughs> hilarious <laughs> um one of them returned if you go on my twitter handle you'll see me retweeting and going ah Kyrie, come on and i'm busting his balls going this is definitely a Kyrie burner everybody's at it go to my twitter handle like uh back to where the media blackout happened you'll see it it's like a they have no profile picture and like 15 followers. I mean, come on. It's either a Russian bot that wants Trump to win or it's Kyrie <laughs> or it's KD's burner. Who knows? That's dumb. Very well right? could be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so we talked about the most hated Celtics of all time, right? So we've, we've obviously touched on Isaiah and Mar- we talked about Marcus. So I was originally kind of going to stick to Marcus on this, but we can do Isaiah too. Where do you think Marcus can potentially uh, land himself in the Celtics pantheon? Like how how far up and not not greatest players, but greatest Celtics? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they got the they got the personality there. Yeah. They embody what it means. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it. Yeah, it's getting it's getting asked a lot more and more. Like, do you retire Marcus Smart's number? You know, I mean, he's the longest tenured Celtic now. I think he's here what? How many years? Six, seven, seven years. Yeah. 
seven. Yeah, six, and he yeah, should seven. be the captain, but they haven't had him. He should be the captain. Um, he basically you know, is. He basically is. If 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 they ever win a championship, Marcus definitely gets his number retired. But if not, I don't think he can because there's only one guy up there who's not had uh, won a championship with Reggie Lewis, and it's questionable whether he should be there. If he hadn't died, I don't think he would be, unless we he went on to like many championships. But so Marcus, I think he'll always be be loved like a Paul Silas type character, but or an ML Carr who's just loved but not retired number. Um, unless he wins a title. If he wins a title, I think, yeah, you got to retire his number. You know, I mean, he has been, he has epitomized Celtics culture. I mean, it's just been great. Um, yeah, Isaiah, no. Isaiah's a feel-good guy. I mean, you got, what, two seasons, um, gr- some of the greatest fourth quarters I've, I've ever seen mm. live. Uh, Isaiah, I mean, Super nice guy. We did. We did, we supplied all the B roll footage for his um, book of Isaiah. So I like Isaiah a ton. But Isaiah had a, had a, had a narcissist streak to him. I mean, he had he had the small man syndrome a little bit. And we had uh, the Brinks truck thing too, where the he Brinks said they better truck pay him. And he said a lot of donated stuff. Like he got killed. And I keep bringing up Joe Sway because we were always right by each other from either me and Jimmy or me and Joe Sway. So he says, um, oh my God, it's my first division title. I'm so excited. I nudge Joe Sway and go, he's going to get killed tomorrow. And sure enough, <laughs> I think Bullpeck just destroyed him. Like the Celtics don't win division titles. They only win championships. You know, is there even a division anymore? Um, but I mean, overall, Isaiah was loved. I mean, how long he was, he was, gone and he was still on the poster on the tee like they wouldn't take him off the train here you know his his life-size poster they wouldn't take him out of north station because he was just loved but i think too short a period of time um i feel like a part of it was i feel like a part of it was when he got more crazy too this short you can you can go after jack i'm so sorry yeah you're good but uh you know like he was only here for two and a half years and like people are still clamoring for him to come back even though i mean Oh, I, I agree. I mean, there's just no space, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Like you've got space. I mean, you can't you can't get lightning in a bottle twice. It's just rare you do. But I mean, isn't isn't that like something special? Like it's just so weird. It's such it's a, a weird situation because the years. Celtics are so historic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got long tenured career Celtics, Bird, Pierce, you know, yeah. those kind of guys. And Isaiah yeah. Thomas is up there in people's hearts with those guys after two and a half years. Danny Ainge would never have given him a max contract hip or no hip injury. As we knew it, the fans getting up in arms about it was annoying. It would have been a bad move. He's, you know, how old was he at that point? 30, 20, late 20s? And he's Um, undersized, too. We we can get into that. That's my point is, like, you know, an undersized point guard, usually their lifespan is, like, 32, 30, where they really start falling off the cliff. Um, you know, Danny wasn't giving him the max deal, so it didn't. The injury or not didn't matter. I mean, and Danny had to get Kyrie. I mean, he made the right move, in my opinion. Um, and then you look at Isaiah's character after he got traded with all the bad mouthing. Uh, to me, it was a little bit sour grapes. I could understand because he gave the Celtics a lot, especially with the sister. But he's not the first person to do that. 
right? You're looking at a 70 plus year history. Like Bill Russell gave a lot every fucking night when he had death threats going on the court at the garden and he still played and won eight championships. So, you know, like Isaiah, you know, you're, 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 I get it. You're amazing what you did. The appreciation is there. Love the dude. Think he's the nicest guy. Great ball player. He had that great two year run, but you're not getting that back. So to bring him back or to put him in, he doesn't belong in even the top 20 list of all time great Celtics. And I feel like a part of it was just kind of emphasized by the fact that he was traded for one of the most hated Celtics of all time. I think that definitely has an impact on it because like Rondo, who was it? No, he was traded no, no, for no, Kyrie. He was traded for Kyrie. You, you know, oh, yeah. when I he left. I'm saying that. What am I thinking? You're right. No, no, <laughs> that just made was, it worse. Rondo was involved in the trade to bring him here. Yes. Rondo yeah. somehow worked into that trade. He came no, here from where? Rondo, Rondo was for Crowder. Oh, I did not like Jay Crowder. And I, I remembered why in, in the Miami series. <laughs> He's just, are, is it Miami he plays for? Yeah. Yes. He just, oh, he was Now Phoenix, but yes, Miami then. Such a baby. Like, oh, <laughs> the crying all the time about like it was so annoying when he got all upset about, um, you know, Gordon getting cheered. That was stupid. That, that was stupid. Annoying. And then he purposely, there's certain players out there, like, that purposely mumble to piss off the media. <laughs> you wish Kyrie would, but you don't. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> Jay, Jay Crowder is one of those people, and he has the accent too, which makes it even tougher. He would mumble. And if you guys watch our channel, Especially, we had our old channel. We had a massive monster YouTube channel that got hacked and deleted, and it was devastating. Right as the quarantine hit, but that old channel had all the old pressers, and you could go back and hear. We we still have the footage on Daily Motion, I think, but you go back and hear Jay Crowder. It would be like this, and you see the comments under the video. You know, your 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 audio equipment is terrible. Be like, no, f off, man. This guy, listen to him on ESPN and tell me they have subtitles for crying out loud because he he mumbles on purpose. (laughs) Players will do that on purpose. Why? Why do they do it though? Well, because they don't want the media to get the soundbite. They're annoyed that they have to give the interview. I get it. I get it. There's some nights where you're like, just leave me alone. You had a bad night, or it's a bad loss, or you know, uh, you had a bad article written about you in one of the papers. You don't want to be bothered. So they, Rondo was just notorious for it. He would come out and not move his lips and mumble. But he would wear the most outrageously eccentric outfits that the, the videos would still get 10, 20,000 views anyway. <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah, you want to talk about a smart guy that's like an ox. He's like totally perplexing as Rondo. But anyway, Kyrie is an enigma to me because you're looking at a charismatic, good-looking, compelling movie actor to a certain degree, if you want to call it that. He's got this real gravitating personality when he's on, when he's good Kyrie. But when he becomes manic Kyrie, and that can happen within a one-second instant, you see the switch in his eye turn and you know it's coming and it's not pleasant. Like it literally, I've never wore, and I, I, I mean, I, I covered locker rooms with in 2010, uh, the, the Celtics were 
horrendous in that second half of the season. I mean, barely 500. That was a miserable locker room with Rasheed Wallace. Then they ended up going mm. to the finals. But, I mean, there have been some ugly locker rooms. This locker room, they'd win games. You would walk in. The media would start. The media would come in. They would all be with their noses in their cell phones, definitely checking Twitter, and miserable. And you'd be like, did they lose? Was this a loss? And, you know, and then there would be, if you remember that year, Kyrie, I think he missed about 20 games. Mm -hmm. And the games that he wasn't there would be kind of back to the Isaiah locker room where it was more jovial and happy. But that, that, those locker rooms with Kyrie, you would need, you know, a shovel to get through the amount of tension yeah, that existed there. Um, there was just such bad personality conflicts. How many times, like, they would make the media wait, and Danny Ainge would be in the back. You know, there's, like, this, there's the locker room, but then there's also the players' locker room, which is kind of off in the back. And Danny would be in the back with Kyrie and just having meetings constantly because there was just so much turmoil. And... uh I, 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 the next year, um, it was just, again, it was the polar opposite. So he is the reason, there's no question. Um, and it will end up, and I, and, and I hope it does. I'm, I'm wishing them bad luck in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> and, if, and, and if I'm wrong, have me on at the end of the year to eat crow. I'll be one of the first guys to apologize and say I was wrong. But I just feel like no matter what kind of hot start they got off to, no matter how good KG looks at this moment um, in the in the preseason, we've seen practices and whatnot, it will end in a tumultuous, dramatic circus. I can't see it any other way. I mean, how many coaches do they have just to control Kyrie? You know what I'm saying? I mean, D'Antoni, Steve Nash, who else is there? They brought I mean, in it's, it's, Stoudemire. Stoudemire. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> And and then Kyrie Nash, the ink on the contract wasn't even dry yet, and Kyrie's out in the media going, "We don't have a coach. We don't need a coach. We got me and KD. We're co-coaches with Steve Nash. Get the hell out of here, Steve Nash. I hope to God this doesn't taint his legacy. That's all I can say. Kyrie is the he is the Donald Trump of basketball. I mean, of course he says he hates <laughs> Trump, but he's that narcissist. I mean, what kind of a play was it? Like, I don't need the media. I have enough Twitter followers and Instagram followers. That's a Donald Trump play, right? Dude, you're paid to talk to the media. It's part of your contract. Like, I think Stephen A. Smith your, said it really well, too. He said, I didn't uh, hear Stephen A., though. I heard about it. What did he say? You heard about it? He, one of the yeah. things he said was, like, the media is the reason the sport's so popular. Like, they promote no the sport. No so, question. Yeah. I mean, that's well, go on. all. He's right. And he and Kyrie are, are love hate, but they're pretty close. Um, I, I I guess the moral of the Kyrie thing for me is in, in, in the description I just gave you. When he's on the high side, he is just really likable and somebody you want to you want to be around. It's just the other guy, Mister High or Jekyll or whatever it is, comes out more often. And at the end of the day, I feel like I when I look at him, I see a very emotionally tortured person. I'm not saying that he has mental illness. I don't know. I really don't know. But I will say he has a a level of emptiness in his eyes. And that has to be because of 
a certain amount of unhappiness or insecurity. And I feel bad for him, man. Like, what was that this year? It was like, it was like a ploy just to get the media to talk to you when you're a media blackout. Like, and then you're going on Instagram. Did you guys watch his Instagram live where he's interviewing Kevin Durant? I saw clips of it, but I didn't oh, watch it. God, it was so uncomfortable. Like KD was trying to answer these bizarre questions as well as he couldn't. He's another one that's off in wackadoo land. I, I'm not going <laughs> to go there. Um, but like, it was just weird. Like just, I, I'm sure that the Nets said to him, at first I thought, then this is not a self-imposed media blackout. The Nets told him they don't want him talking to the media because they don't want the circus. Then I, I, I realized, okay, they wouldn't let him go on his social media then if that were the case. So I bet you 100 bucks they, they, they told him, no, dude, you need to talk to the media because they don't want him on Instagram. He's acting so bizarre, you know? So I, the moral of the story is I feel bad for the guy. I think there's something wrong there that the I never saw a more talented guy. I mean, I think he, to a certain degree, he may be the best point guard ever to wear green talent-wise. His handles you know, are something different. Like. Nah, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I've seen Isaiah Thomas, the real Isaiah Thomas, and those were amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like Kyrie's handles. It's it's ridiculous. If only he could get past his own head or whatever the hell's up there. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Is it, you know, does he need a therapist? Clearly. <laughs> Someone, I think he needs to, and I'm not saying he has mental illness. Sometimes people without mental illness need a therapist just to, especially, could you imagine the pressure on these guys? So, just to get through that, you need to talk to somebody who's on a, you know, whose objective is going to give you good, honest feedback. I think he's around yes men all day long. Mm-hmm. People who are just yes, Kyrie, no, Kyrie, yes, Kyrie, and never say no, you know, and, and, and it creates a monster. He will come here on Christmas Day. Jalen will have four fouls in the first quarter because he's <laughs> going to be like a bouncy ball up and down because Kyrie's going to be taking him in the torture chamber and he's going to score 70 points and the Celtics are going to get killed. And really he'll walk away, get the attention and it will have been the biggest pussy move of all time. I pray to God with, with social distance and masks, there are true fans outside the garden waiting to hackle him. Even though he, <laughs> even though he won't come out the door, he'll, he'll go on the team bus and leave that way. You know, but I, I just, don't think fans are going to forget. I Never. hope As they, they should retire when they retire KG's number and they honor Tommy Heinsohn. I hope it's against the Brooklyn Nets at Boston Garden. That's my oh, prayer. That'd be legendary. That, and I hope it's on a Saturday at about 8 p.m. start because the bars outside of the garden will be jammed and everybody will be all looped up when they get in there and it will be the jungle. I hope. I'm ready for it. I hope Kyrie falls off the other side of the flat earth, according to him. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Sam, okay, I know you Nick. got your questions. Yeah. Yeah. Before we let you go, we'll let you yep. get to your what, – what's on your pizza? You have any toppings? Yeah, I got mushrooms. Oh, I got love. Uh, yeah, well, mar- magical mu- – no, they're not magical. <laughs> I wish they were. No, they're just mu- mushrooms, and uh, it's definitely cold by now, but who the hell cares? Cold pizza, um, you can't go wrong, to be honest. Sometimes you can. Santarpio's, which is, you know, world-class, you know, well-known Boston pizza. Amazing hot, horrendous cold. Regina's does good cold. You know? Regina's is great. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. I will get in. So usually when we have guests on for the first time, it is your first time. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Um, 
we we I always have like a couple of fan questions to ask. Um, so the first one is, what is the coolest piece of Celtics memorabilia you have, poster, autograph, anything, and what's the story behind it? Hmm, I have – one time I had three. I have two Bill Russell autographed basketballs. Oh. I have wow. a Sam Jones autographed basketball. The one – now, the Bill Russell, I got one out in my living room on a shelf case by the Sam Jones one. And then I have the second one over my bed in my bedroom. <laughs> it's literally on the wall. Very appropriate bed. places, by the way. I would I mean, say so. anything I mean, Bill Russell. One to show off to fans and one to pray to at night. Um, and then I have a uh, – so those two would be my most coveted. Um, and then I have um, a bird and magic autographed. Uh, picture from Larry Bird night when he retired and he's pulling, Bird is pulling off magic. So basically, did you guys ever see Larry Bird night? I've, I know what picture you're talking mm-hmm. about. I don't know. If okay. Exactly. So, I do, yeah, yeah. Have you guys, wait a minute, stop. Have I, I have watched it. You have, have watched it. Yes. Both of you? I don't think so. I don't believe I have. You are not a Celtic <laughs> fan. Unless I think I watched it after Paul Pierce night. Paul Pierce and I was, I was there. It was, it was I horrendous. cried through the well, whole thing. It was the only time. You've seen it was a good day. ceremony, but the day was awful. Uh, why? Because they lost to the Clippers? Are they, no, that yes. was a different. I was there for that one too. Who'd they play? The Clippers. Uh, I was at the Clippers one. The, so his last game. That was, that was incredible. Amazing when he hit that shot. That was the I best mean, birthday gift I ever received. I got to go to the game. From, like, I, the I got tickets for my birthday. Best moments in Celtics history and it came from an opposing team, but like it was one of the only times I've seen the Boston, very serious Boston media just lose it. Like the whole place, you guys were there. I mean, I was at the, the Pierce KG, the return the first time. So every time I was at that uh, one in, uh, against the Clippers, who did they play? They played the Clippers again because no, they didn't play. No, they it was on, on, on his Jersey retirement. It was Cleveland and LeBron Cleveland, ran all over them. Right. Yeah. And LeBron was taunting, and killed. it was a mess. And nobody cared though, because he all, all eyes were fixated on the baseline where it was Doc Rivers, Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo and Paul, Paul Pierce, where they were all sitting together and Danny Ainge. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, who cared that they lost, but who really cares? Then that presser afterwards was amazing. Paul, I mean, got standing over by the media, made fun of Max. That never gets old. <laughs> I mean, he's just such great things. Uh, um, yeah, so anyway, that would be my memorabilia. I mean, I have other things. I have uh, Kevin McHale autographed part of the uh, parquet. I have the 84 starting lineup. So Max, uh, DJ, Bird, Ainge. Parish autograph poster. Um, I don't even know where that is. That's somewhere. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the Bill Russell basketballs are depreciating by the moment. So when I was, I was given these, somebody owed me money, owed the company money. And it's, they, they ended up, um, I don't know if they went out of business or I think they went out of business. It was a memorabilia place. And, uh, they were like, how can we, square up with you and i was like do you have any memorabilia left they were like well yeah quite a bit we're gonna sell it online so i can send me the list and 
will make the equivalent. Now, these were worth like 3000 a basketball then. And today, because see, Bill Russell never signed autographs ever. So his autograph was worth a ton of money. But today, understandably, you know, they get paid a lot of money to sign autographs. So he signs basketballs a lot now. So in the last 10 years, it's gone from 3,000 to probably it's worth about 800. And it'll continue to drop until he drops. God willing, he doesn't drop anytime soon. Um, yeah, so that's the story behind that. The, the bird and magic one was a gift for my 21st birthday, I think, for my parents. Uh, the Mikhail one was a gift from my business partner in the restaurant business. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't remember where I got, oh, the, the one of the, the poster of the 84 team was when I was a kid. That's gotta be 30 years old. So I mean, that, and those knock it out of the park. What'd you say? I mean, all of them are epic. And I only display the, the basketballs and the, uh, the bird magic one. The other stuff I don't even, I mean, I know where they are. I think they're back in PA, my, my house there. Um, because I don't, uh, I don't, I don't have, I live in an apartment in Boston. I mean, they're not like I have a, I have 700 square feet. You gotta, I can't have it all filled with that stuff. And plus I'm not a real big memorabilia guy, to be honest with you. The Bill Russell ones are just Bill Russell, you know? So it's like, you know, all it's in it, it's the letter of authenticity and his autograph. So you got to show that because it's a conversation piece. People always ask. You know, oh my God, yeah. who is, is that? Bill Russell? You can't you blame know, him. Yeah, not many people have them because he never signed autographs. Everybody has a Tommy Heinz in basketball because every game they gave an autograph away. Tommy, I wonder how many they have of them. They should give them away all season if they have a lot. Um, yeah. Tommy always gave away uh, signed uh, to NBC would give them away or Comcast. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, that's the story behind those. What's the next question? That was a good one. I like that one. Yeah. So my my next question is kind of different for you. I mean, it's the same question, but it's a different situation for you because, you know, you do the coverage. So you're at a lot of games. So I always ask people, like, what's the best game you or moment you've got to witness in person? I mean, so best moment as a fan. Yeah. So anything you've got to see in person. Oh, God. I saw Dr. J and Magic or not J and Magic, Dr. J and Bird at the Spectrum in the late 80s every year. Until wow. birds started getting uh, injured all the time, missing a lot of games. Best I saw there's a game, an epic game in March 1992, Larry Bird's last stand, triple overtime game against the Portland Trailblazers, and Bird scored 50 points, had a triple double, did it all with the back brace on, and hit the game, uh, the game time shot to put it into OT, uh, three-pointer, very unlikely shot and uh, a difficult shot. And um, that was one of those Christmas gifts I told you about from my parents. That was probably the best game I've ever seen. I saw Lakers Celtics in the late, early 90s at the Garden, but Magic had already retired, so you can't really – he had the AIDS and had already retired the year before. But Bird was there. Uh, as, a, as media, oh, my God. Oh my God! Oh nine when they they uh, uh, remember um, 
against the, the Orlando Magic when Bird or not Bird, listen to me, when Rondo <laughs> stole the ball from Jameer Nelson. That was a great, great game. 2010, Game Six, TD Garden. Oh, against the Cavs. Uh, is, is that Garden what you're going to say? Just the Garden defeated LeBron in that game. It was not the Celtics. Like the Garden just chanted MSG. Yes, it was game six against the Cavs. They chanted MSG every time he touched the ball or Madison Square Garden. They were doing that because that was where he was supposed to go. Although, dude, I swear to you, I knew he was going to Miami because of the jersey change. If you remember that season, um, opening uh, preseason, still Cleveland, he changes his jersey number to number six because no one should wear 23 ever, according to fraudulent LeBron. Uh, But Miami has, I knew it was either Chicago or Miami, because Chicago and Miami retired Jordan's number. And don't ask why Miami did, I guess, because they think, whatever. But so he, he changed it to number six, which is like um, Bill Russell and Dr. J's number. It made no sense. So there was definitely like tampering and had Pat Riley written all over it. Everybody knew he was leaving. That game, the Celtics never should have won. LeBron James, that was the elbow when he had the fake elbow injury. He gave up on his team that night. And the Celtics went on to... Uh, Face the Magic, I think, in the Eastern Conference Finals. They never should have beaten the Cavs that year. The Cavs were a much better team. That was probably that, one of the. That's I mean, such an I, awesome answer because that's like a game I go back and I've I, like the last month I've watched on YouTube because I've been craving Celtics uh, basketball. Fucking, I mean, that was one of those games where you know you guys are like fans in the stands, and I'm like, yeah, I agree with you completely. That was 100% one of those games where. You know, the fans absolutely uh, killed LeBron. And honestly, I think that that was the, the the motivation he needed to come back a year later as a member of the Heat. And and I was at that game, too, where the Let's Go Celtics chant, uh, when he just turned into Jordan and LeBron was just, like, otherworldly. I'd never seen anything like it. I think he played back-to-back 48-minute games and just that game – they could have eliminated them at the garden and went on to the finals. And instead LeBron turned superhuman. He had a triple double and it was just incredible basketball and they lost. And I was at that game, that series too. Another good game was, uh, I think it was game five where Spolster said, uh, no one knew Kevin Garnett was going to turn into Kareem because Garnett was still really pretty laboring from the knee injury two years earlier and he just really went transformed back into the kid from Minnesota. He was just like amazingly good. And the Celtics won that game. And I'll never forget it. That was a game and we're in the press room afterwards. And uh, uh, it's LeBron and D Wade at the, the podium. And I'm sitting next to Bob Ryan, who we now he works with me, but we didn't know each other. Then I just kind of was drooling all over him because it was Bob Ryan. Right, yeah. So he doesn't know me. I'm sitting right next to him, and a a uh, a woman of color, a media member, black lady. She had an African headdress on. Beautiful woman stands up and asks to D Wade, um, "Did you 
did you injure Rondo purposely? Which we all know he did. That was the game where he pulled Rondo's elbow out of the or shoulder out of the socket, and Rondo continued to play. Yeah, um, played the next game too. Yeah, LeBron didn't know that his mic was hot, and he said something like, "That was the most stupid, retarded fucking question of all time." And <sighs> it picked it up, and he said, "Retarded," I want to say. Oh my that god! Was the word. Yeah, and he had to apologize. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, Another memorable moment for a bad reason would be Gordon, uh, the yeah. opening night. And then after the fact, I'm down in the in the men's in behind, like in, at the queue. I mean, be, you're back where, you know, back in the back, like um, no access area, right? So, and I'm 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 they have like a on a pedestal. They have a dining area for like the VIPs, but it's the end. The game is over. So it's just kind of like getting torn apart. And I'm texting my reporter to meet me on the court. And I have my phone up and LeBron comes walking through with, this is God's honest truth, with his entourage. He had a straw hat on. I'll never forget that. And he stopped and his one of his posse come over and made me give them their phone and prove that I wasn't taking a picture of him. I'm like, he's oh, all geez. over Google images. Like, are you kidding me? I don't need to take a picture of LeBron. You know, it was like, no, I'm texting. True story. Um, and then all the, re- any game in the, uh, the KG era was memorable. Um, and also uh, any of the games where the players came back, whether it be Ray Rondo Kevin or Paul were just amazingly uh, memorable, and that that one that you guys were at, where Paul hit the the uh, end of the, the last shot of the game. Oh, that that was incredible. That's spot. the example <laughs> I give people when I ask that question. Oh, that in the crazy. Isaiah Thomas game, the day after his sister died, I was I was, I was at that not one at too. that game. I was home in Pennsylvania. That was around Christmas, I think, wasn't it? No, it was playoff game. It was playoff, a playoff so. game. So it was in they're the playing spring. Chicago. Was, wait, they're playing Chicago, and I was I was home. I did not cover that series didn't they go and play philadelphia next because i did cover that series i stayed in they I was played, at the fall. it's all one year they, they played washington now. yeah they played washington i covered next. that series too i got spit on in that series and called <laughs> fake news by trump <laughs> trump people Me and um but that 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 or that that verizon center in washington you think miami's fans are bad we it was a playoff game be the third quarter the whole arena is empty there's nightclubs within the arena all around. That's where all the fans are. And then all of a sudden, the start of the fourth quarter starts. I look at Joe Sway, who was on the, again, and Jeremy, who was the cameraman. I'm like, dude, this place is sold out. Like, yeah, everybody came in from the clubs. They watched the game in the bar. So the place is empty throughout three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, um, it fills up because they're just fraudulent fans. Terrible. That was a good series, though. If I remember, that's a series that that Isaiah. Great series. That was a series that the injury to Isaiah came uh, known because I mean, he didn't play in one of the games, or uh, I think so, right? I don't, I don't know about that. I know Cleveland. The conference finals was when he yeah. sat out after mm. the game. I think it was, was game two. Too. He left. So and that didn't game, come back. okay. So game seven, right? Of that series, we're in the back uh, press conference. So you know how it is. You see it on NBA TV and stuff. And we're all in there. I never, ever. Now, I'm sitting here and telling you, oh, yeah, the media gave Paul a standing ovation. Yes, because he was retiring, okay? 
the Cleveland media knew LeBron was leaving and oh, gave geez. him a standing ovation. <laughs> Jimmy Cassano wrote to me, did we just, did that just happen? And I'm like, I get, because that's like the biggest no-no if you're media, you know? You don't be a fan, you're media, right? Um, only Tommy and Mike could get away with being a fan and media, you know? It's just like us little guys, you have to at least pretend you're not a fan. And the Cleveland media gave him a standing O. I'm like, this guy is effing them over, and they're giving him a standing O. Like, I just can't believe it. Cannot believe it. That was crazy. Yeah, that's probably the best stuff. As soon as we hang up, I'll remember more. But <laughs> it's funny. So, man. so the third question is yeah. similar to that, and I don't even know if I'm going to have you answer because you just gave us so much great stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it's just your great, your favorite moment of all time. Oh. You know, uh, not championship. A lot of people say the Marcus Smart double charges, Isaiah scoring 52 on the Wizards in the playoffs, just stuff like Kelly that. Kelly Olynyk game, game. A spectacle. Stuff in the last, let's say, 10 years. Sure, sure, let's yeah. limit it to that. It could be yeah. stuff from when you were young, too. It doesn't it, matter. Yeah, oh man, there's just too many. I mean, Bird steals the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fight, I mean, I mean, um, the fights in the 80s. I mean, uh, Henderson stole the ball, the 86 team. Uh, the, that 87 team, and Bird stole the ball. I mean, that was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And DJ making that shot was impossible. No one talks about how difficult that shot was <laughs> uh, to make that shot. Uh, anyway, uh, recent times, non-championship moments. I mean, the the Rondo steal on Jameer was amazing. Um, that wasn't a championship moment. It was the playoffs, but not a championship. Uh, all those, I, I really would have to probably go with all those those comeback games where the members of the OA team would come back with opposing teams and they play the montages. That was great. Um, yeah, and- that that's a that's a good call. Yeah, I mean they were the the greatest, and and they were the years that that or the one year that the Celtics really were horrendous. It was the year that they traded everybody away. Um, but those those games were just so epically exciting because and, and and it was kind of like reminding you how special it is to be a Celtic, you know. Which that's what people need to focus on when you hear this bullshit from whether it's the media or Twitter, Celtics Twitter, whatever it is, saying that, you know, we can't keep free agents. You know, it wasn't so long ago Kevin Durant nearly signed here, you know, and he really nearly did, you know. So, and he really probably should have because his legacy championships are not are kind of tainted between that and his sour grapes attitude. Um, But the Celtics, uh, to me, well, first of all, they made the montage famous. They weren't – now every – like, come on. Like, the Hawks gave Dwight Howard a montage. Are you kidding me? Did they so really? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. But the Hawks do shit like that. Like, just, like, stupid, you know, over – they were the first arena to pipe in uh, sound effects. And I remember when my brother would be like, this is like playing, like, uh, Nintendo. Like, cause it would be like they'd hit a free throw and it would go, ping, like, like, ridiculous. Um, so yeah, the Hawks gave Dwight Howard a, that'd be like us giving the Celtics giving Leon Paul a montage, <laughs> you know, because he had one great moment. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't there for 08, so I can't say, um, anything about that other than watching on television, which of course that ranks, that's a championship moment, but that ranks. Well, you can have moments in that season, just not, you know, 
oh, winning a title is my favorite. Opening you know, it could be the Pierce Opie. versus LeBron duel, oh, whatever. Oh, well, that game seven was like just such a throwback game. And I, and my favorite part of that game is Paul, you know, taking the free throw and it did like the Don Nelson jump up in the air, the ball when it looked like it was going to hit the banners and came back down and, and dropped in. And the first thing I thought of was, man, Red Auerbach smiling. And after the game, Paul said, you know, it was red. Red tapped that in. And I remember getting choked up. Like, that's shit that makes men cry, right? You know, but that is <laughs> yeah, Star You know, when that, when that, in Star Wars. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, no, uh, Rocky. Rocky Balboa makes men cry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been the joy of a lifetime, guys. So, so every time I enter Boston Garden, actually, every time I get out of the Uber on Causeway Street, and see the fans, and is the greatest moment of my life. So, to give you the answer, it would be all of them, every moment. Excellent um, answer. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cop out, but nice. God has blessed me. Far from it. You've given us. I mean, that the answer to the last question was epic. So, you you deserve a cop out if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Huge thank you. Uh, to Nick from CLNS Media, he actually had to go, but that was one of my favorite interviews. I know Sam feels the same that we've ever had the oh privilege God, of doing. Jeez. Uh, that was amazing. You guys can follow him at CLNS underscore Nick, I believe. Uh, I am at Jack Simone NBA. You can follow us at Bannertown USA, and I'll throw it over to Sam. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you for Nick to coming on. I mean, it was a blast. Um, follow at CLNS underscore Nick for sure. Follow CLNS Media. Mm-hmm. They get to put out a lot of cool content, get to be at all the media things. It's great. Uh, follow Jack. Follow me. Follow Bannertown. Uh, me is at Samuel Friends NBA, of course. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Uh, that's our show for today. Bye.